0: hard rock life
1: hard rock life and we're here with bill conway founder of hard times magazine? Do you call it a magazine?
2: <laughs> uh, since there's no physical copies of it. I don't think it technically counts as a magazine, but uh, it's close enough.
1: Well we're here with Bill Conway and he's a fucking man and he's a great skateboarder, founder of Hard Times Magazine, a stand up
2: comedian. Fucking dude, you do it all. I try, I try. I mean I do it I do it all but uh, none of it expertly. Um, a lot of do a lot of things half-assed. That's where we're
1: at. Hey, you're doing it though, man. <laughs> you're doing what you love. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's not too bad. It's
1: not too bad. What got you into comedy?
2: Um,
1: I know. I know you as a skater in Hanson from like when we were probably, God, I can remember all the way back to where we were like twelve or thirteen years old and you were just fucking yeah. out there riding by yourself. When when did you get into comedy?
2: Um, so it was about. 10 years ago oh geez maybe more um i was living in san francisco i was working in a warehouse and it was right when podcasts first kind of came out and i was listening to a lot of comedy podcasts and one of them was you know bill burr's uh, monday morning podcast and like people would write in and be like how do you do stand up and his only advice is like just go do an open mic and i was like oh that's how you do it you know like you just go to an open mic and you like i, I really had no idea what the process for stand-up was like I'm like 27 at the time and i was so stupid like i always liked stand-up comedy but i was kind of like i didn't realize till very late that like stand-ups aren't just making it up on the stage i kind of always thought that when i was like a kid like that uh like <laughs> Dan cook's just up there and he's just he's just that funny he's never said it before in his life uh it turns out Dan cook's not that funny but uh <laughs> he's, he's from here yeah too. yeah i mean you know he didn't uh, he
0: denounced boston i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he like doesn't tell people he's from here
2: yeah he doesn't he doesn't really have um any connection to it other than like uh the joke thievery thing with louis ck who was also not talked about anymore but um <laughs> he's coming back uh, yeah, I was selling out Madison Square Garden. went crazy. Uh, I don't oh, know wow. who's paying for those tickets, but, you know, whatever. It <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't affect me. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I was listening to a lot of those podcasts, and I was just like – and I always wanted to do it. I'm, I'm not a natural performer in any way, uh, but I wanted to try it. And then there was this podcast. It was one of episodes of uh, WTF with Mark Marin and he had a guy, Brendan Walsh, on and Brendan Walsh was talking about how he was living in Austin uh, and he started doing stand up and he was making more money doing stand up than he was like loading trucks in a warehouse and i was like loading trucks in a warehouse at that time <laughs> I was like oh wait you can make money doing stand up and I, I mean i've made like maybe 400 dollars through stand up in my entire career i am not uh, a stand up is not what i focus on at this point but that was kind of what inspired me in, in a weird like Kind of full circle thing. Like, I live near Brendan Walsh now. I used to see him like walking his dogs all the time. And I was just like, oh, hey, uh, like I saw him at the supermarket with Mark Marin one day. I was like, oh, wow. those are the what? guys that are sort of, re- yeah, like those are the guys that are sort of responsible in like a butterfly effect sort of way uh, for like the hard times existing, you know? Like, uh... it, because if, if I didn't start stand up, then I wouldn't have started like the first podcast I did. I wouldn't have met. The guy that, you know, we started the hard times together and, you know, so like all of those little things that build up uh, in life kind of started with working in that warehouse, listening to podcasts and like uh, in that. So, yeah, long story short, it was a long time ago, started in San Francisco, would go to a weekly open mic at this place called the Brainwash, which was a cafe on one side and a laundromat on the other And it's where a lot of people started, especially in the Bay Area, like Ali Wong. You know, she's very famous now. Like she kind of started at Brainwash. Like those were her first open mics as well. Like she was before my time. She was already kind of established when I was uh, at least locally when I started. But a lot of people, especially Bay Area comedians of a certain age, they had to do Brainwash. And everybody has their horror stories about what it's like to do open mics, especially there.
1: The meat grinder, huh? Big time. So that's yeah. where you where you go to yeah go to bomb and you fucking cut your teeth kind of thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. You just you go there. You you suck for three, you you wait three hours to go up, and then you do three minutes that goes terribly, and then you leave and you you convince yourself that it's worth doing it again the next day, you know. And it's like the
0: try not to cry.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, or cry or cry. <laughs> Yeah, you got to let it out sometimes. I mean, if if you didn't, (laughs) it's, but yeah, it it could, it could be rough. Uh, But then at at some point you kind of flip a switch with open mics where you're just like, like, this is just part of the process. I don't need to succeed. I just need to be on board with working out material. And this is where you do it. sure. Sure.
1: We're, we're, that's pretty gutsy, though. Like, uh, to to bomb in front of a bunch of people. How does that How does that feel? Oh,
2: like shit! I yeah, mean, it's absolutely. Yeah. I, I know how that. it feels as a
1: musician. I know how that feels as a musician. But
3: yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know how it feels as a musician. But like, there is a little bit. The the biggest difference with comedy is like I feel like with music, if you do if you bomb musically, people don't like your music, you know? Sure. But if you bomb comedically, they don't like you, you know, like specifically, (laughs) they don't like you. That's a good point. Um, Yeah. yeah, So like that walk off of the stage, like nobody's making eye contact with you. Everybody's kind of looking down. Like you maybe have the one person that gives you a fist bump and you're like, thanks, man. Like, oh God. And then he goes, and also, I mean, you, you probably remember this about me. I'm straight edge. I don't drink. I never do anything. So, like, a lot of people do open mics and then they drink and they get drunk. They forget it. Like, I just had every like every negative feeling. It's like, all right, it's inside me. It's going into cancer. Oh. Uh, this, this, this is what it is. Uh, so, not that uh, my process is uh, better or worse than anybody else's, but it just it certainly I had to I had to feel everything a little bit more. Mm,
1: yeah, that makes sense. And well, you got your board, too, right? You ever, like, just get pissed off and go skate?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in San Francisco. At that time, you know, I San Francisco is such a small city that I would skate to work, and then I'd skate to the open mics, and then I'd skate home from the open mics. So it was always, like, I was the skateboard guy, you know? So I'd go on stage and have basically put my board to the side, then go do my crappy three minutes, and then grab my skateboard and be like, all right, well, I'll stop at the library on my way back to blow off some steam uh and yeah it's uh yeah i mean i I look back fondly on some of it i mean and there was you meet people doing these open like if anybody's listening to this and they're like oh this sounds like oh it's comedy sounds horrible like every creative pursuit is horrible at first you just have to power through it and you get better at it but you meet people you make contacts and you you find the good in it but uh like there was one time there was a open mic in san francisco it was this place called uh, Dirty Tricks which was like a saloon bar out in the Richmond area of San Francisco and it was just a dive bar but in the 90s like way long ago it was a famous comedy club called the Holy City Zoo where a lot of the 80s and 90s San Francisco comedians would perform and like where alt comedy was almost born in a way I know like New York kind of gets the credit but there was a lot of people like Patton Oswald talks about holy city zoo but robin williams like owned the place at one point they're, and like funded oh. it
3: okay
2: and so there was there was one night at this open mic where i'm sitting there like w- looking at my notebook thinking what shitty jokes am i gonna do to make myself miserable tonight <laughs> and all the comedians that were smoking out front like just all of a sudden came to the very back of the room where i was and they're like robin williams is out front but like everybody was like afraid of him i was like what do you mean robin williams is out front so i walked out there and robin williams is just hanging out by himself like everybody's afraid to talk to him so i was just like hey what would this place look like when it was the holy city zoo and he just lit up and he's like that's where the office was and that's where the stage was and like this is where you know i was like talking to robin williams by myself on the streets of san francisco at nine o'clock on a wednesday night that's
3: amazing and this
2: was like right before like maybe a year before he died i think Uh, he was like a little sick at the time you know but like not uh hadn't fully taken over his his brain yet but uh yeah it was i mean like that little things like that and then like after people saw me talking to him then all of a sudden everybody's out there getting pictures with robin williams and i just like faded away i was just like all right robin we'll see you later wow wow yeah
1: that's pretty cool man i didn't
0: think of the factor of like people being afraid to talk to you so like you know you miss out on that you know connection
2: yeah
1: yeah, it sounds and like and it just
0: was... adds on to the fucking shit he had going on, you know.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, he just in that moment he showed up there to be a comedian, you know, and like hang out with comedians like he had done throughout the '70s and '80s. But since he's so established in whatever, he's Robin Williams. People were legitimately like, "I don't know what to do." And it's just like, yeah, he's he's just a he's a dude. Uh, mm. And I think I think we learned this, especially coming up through like punk and hardcore. Like the bands that you love, they're accessible. They're around, you know? Like you can talk to them and so it takes away the the aura of celebrity in a way where you're just you're not as starstruck. It's just like, yeah, everybody's kind of got their own thing. Mm. Um, you know, and people want that connection. And that's what he wanted in that moment. And, you know, for that brief two minutes where everybody was still afraid of him, maybe I was able to give that to him while well, he was able to give me the description of Holy City zoo, and I Got to talk with Robin Williams privately, which is just still crazy, dude. That's a beautiful story. <laughs>
0: yeah, five stars right there.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs>
1: I'm a big fan of him. What are who are some of your favorite comedians?
2: Um, when I started out, uh, you know, I'm a big I was a big fan of like John Mulaney. Uh, I still, yeah. I still, I so I don't know. I having done. When I started doing comedy, I was a huge comedy nerd, you know? Like, I loved stand-up and all that, and I would go to the Punchline in San Francisco, like, by myself on weekends just to see who was there. And um, so there was a lot of people, like, at that time, like your Nick Krolls, your John Mullaney's who weren't huge yet. They were big in the comedy space, but they hadn't broken into, like, a mainstream thing yet. So there was, like, those people. But, like, currently... um, like some of my favorite comedians are like this guy, Curtis cook that I, I was friends with in Portland. He's a stand-up comedian. Like if Curtis cook ever goes on tour and he comes to Massachusetts, I'm going to, you know, get in touch with you and go see Curtis cook. And you're going to see that. He's the funniest person. Like he's destined to be, uh, and there's other people like Whitmer Thomas is a super funny dude. He's a punk. He skates. And, um, but, uh, yeah, Chris Fairbanks is another one. He's another dude that's a skateboarder, that's a stand-up comedian, that's super funny, and you know I was a big fan of his just from listening to him on podcast like back in the day, and then like living in LA, like we skated the same spots uh, a lot, so like I eventually became friends with him, and it was, like he texted me over the weekend like, "Hey, are we skating today?" It's like it's, if the the bill that was working in warehouses in San Francisco, listening to podcasts, knew that he'd be skating with the guy on the podcast. like, man, life is weird, man. But now, yeah. you know, it's just like, hey, Chris, what's up? We we hit the streets today. And it's like, yeah, all right, we're gonna go to the Costco parking lot and be old men skating for a little bit. Oh <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. So you're still skating, man. That's awesome. I'm trying. I've been. I've been. Um... Oh, also, I, I don't know if you noticed, but. My accent just popped out a little bit right there uh, talking with you. You know, you got uh, a lot of people be like, "Hey, yeah, you don't have much of an accent," and then it's like, um, "Yeah, I." But sometimes, I guess, talking with other people from Massachusetts, it will pop out. But um,
1: yeah, I've been Sorry. dealing with a yeah, it,
2: you know, it's all good, kid. Uh, but uh, I've been dealing with like a, a foot injury for like over a year that's oh, just man. lingering. But uh, you know, it's just old man stuff. It'll it'll, it'll heal up eventually.
1: Oh fuck! So you're dealing with old man stuff while you're skating?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's not the most fun, but uh, you get through it. Yeah, you deal with it, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> life is all pain. You know, you just you go from there. Dude, it's so
1: funny, man. I, I seeing you do what you're doing over the years. Like you have always been a passion-driven guy, and I've always respected the hell out of that and I just I do like I said earlier I remember seeing you skating I don't know man I think we were probably as young as 12 or 13 14 maybe when did you start yeah. skating
2: when I was 12 and then like so I lived in Monponset, you know like when I first started skating but then mm. I moved over to Liberty Street probably when I was like 13 or 14 Okay. Same. and so that's Same street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um so that's probably when You know, since I was always down at Shaw's skating, if anybody ever saw me in Hanson, it was probably, you know, ages 13, and then we got the skate park when I was 16. So that three-year period of 13 to 16, always at Shaw's uh, in the Red Bank and all surrounding uh, skate spots that were specifically skating distance from my house uh right across from the town hall
1: yeah i i would see you like uh i would see you doing like technical things outside of the town hall and in shaw's yeah. and around the age too like a lot of our friends were getting into punk and skating and hardcore and it all kind of came hand in hand at the time and i would you know i would just go out uh with my bike you're usually walking and i'd have friends that skated and i would just you know, watch them skate. (laughs) And I'd always see people trying to attempt, like, one trick, right? They'd just be trying to do it over and over again, which is what you have to do. I think you were, like, the first dude that I ever saw. Like, if I would drive by you, it's like, I like basketball. When I drive by a court, I see people shooting hoops. I pray for them to fucking hit a swish, you know? And I'd drive by, like, you know, the town hall, and I'd see people skating, and I'd pray for them to hit that kickflip as I'm watching And I think you were the first dude that would do that. And, like, consistently. You were doing technical
2: shit. (laughs) There there was definitely a small pool of skateboarders in Hanson. You know, there was James Perry, who was, I would always say, was the best skateboarder in Hanson. Yeah, I was literally
1: just thinking about him as I talk about all this. (laughs) I was just talking to him Uh, before the show. Oh, yeah. Shout Shout out James. James.
2: Yeah, if if you're talking to him again, tell him I said hello. Because, I mean, he was always my favorite person to skate with because he was fearless and just i thought way better than everybody else oh he's
1: definitely fearless yeah
2: so yeah uh what all right so two quick stories one's gonna be a james story but one is uh all right so kevin specifically about you seeing me skateboarding i have you know how there's like memories that you have that you shouldn't even have. Like why is this taking up space in my brain at yes, all? Like it yeah, is yeah, so yeah. pointless. <laughs> yeah. I have a distinct one of you and I doubt you will remember this. Maybe you will. But all right. So uh-oh,
1: uh-oh. <laughs> Uh oh, uh oh. What
2: was the street that goes up behind Shaw's? Is that fourteen there? Is that Route fourteen that yeah. like goes uh, yeah. up? High Street or Main. street? Yeah. So, High Street.
1: County Road. County street? Road.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's the one that's directly behind Shaw's that you, you know, you take the, the right at uh, the Chinese food place and then you're you're, you're banging uh, up behind shots. So I'm walking down that street and it's after the winter, before the spring, when there's still the dirt on the ground, you know, from salting the roads and stuff like that. Ew. And I'm walking on the side of the road. There's no sidewalk but there's the little concrete embankment that just kind of lets you water flow. And I'm kind of walking on it. it's diagonal. And you and i think one of your parents are driving up past me and i slip on the dirt and fall directly on the ground as you're driving by and i remember you popping up in your seat pointing and laughing at me hitting, hitting the ground and i was like of course it has to be in front of somebody i know like uh, and so i have that distinct memory of uh you popping up and pointing and laughing i'm like at least somebody gets a kick out of me uh, and then i just had to <laughs> pull myself off off the ground but um quick james story so james and i used to he he had a car before i had a car i think he's like you know
1: one year older than me Dude, so. he was always the dude to have the first of everything
2: <laughs> yeah he had, always the dude to have the first of everything and no matter what if like i found out about a band i try to tell him about it and be like oh dude they fucking <laughs> suck now like only their first album was good and i'd be like how did you know about these guys? Like, I thought I was going to actually tell you something. Who Ew. tells you all this information? This is like pre-internet, and he knew everything. Um, but he'd be like, "Yeah, their guitar player's a hack." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" But um, so one night I, he was he was dating this girl. I forget her name. I don't think it was a great relationship. But she needed uh, white. She wanted white Christmas lights for the trees. And we drove around to a couple of different like targets or WalMarts, and they were sold out of everything. And uh, so we see that somebody has white Christmas tree lights on their front lawn, like decorating like a bush or something like that. So it's like, I got to go steal those. And so we <laughs> we pull over and like we both get out of the car and like we, we walk over to the tree and start like unplugging and like unwrapping it. And the homeowner pulls in as we're doing this, like, you know, it pulls into their driveway and dreams without like missing a beat. Like pulls out his phone and he like looks at the house. And he's like, "I'm at 56 right now." Like, "Oh, you're at six. You're at 66." Oh, I'm not even. Uh, oh, you're down the road a little bit more, and just like, and the, the people just kind of like looked at us. But I was like, how did you think in that moment to that- like pretend you're in this fake conversation and that the reason we're on these people's lawn is because we're visiting, but we're at the wrong house. It was just like, I don't know.
1: He's a sly one, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I was literally going to call him and tell him that you were coming on tonight and to see if he'd come into the studio and just crash the episode. (laughs) I got a good James. I got a
0: good James story. We, we, him and I were just driving around one night and like, we had sh- fucking shit to do and we saw a party happening on Route 27 in Whitman and we were like who lives there and we look at each other we're like I don't know do you want to go and we just stop in and we're we're just like planting ourselves in this party where we actually picked out one person that we know but we never talked to them like that whole time <laughs> and I don't know we probably got like 20 minutes out of the way and all of a sudden James like meets up with me again and he's like yeah people are starting to know and we're out
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a riot just <laughs> crashing parties dude i swear we? we could <laughs> oh, go ahead
2: bill uh, we used to do that a lot when i lived in you know boston with a couple of friends because there, there would always be parties in alston so like we just like walk in and like sometimes if we had like a group of more than four they'd be like who do you know here and i have to be like "Yo, yeah, is mark here and they'd be like who the fuck is mark like, who the fuck are you like go get mark you know and uh, <laughs> But, and then, like, when I moved to San Francisco, I tried that a couple of times, and, like, the people, you know, it was, like, all of a sudden you're two or three years older, and it was, like, people just didn't have fun with it anymore. It's just like, oh, yeah, now we're just crashing parties, and it's kind of boring, uh, so <laughs> let's just, we'll, just, we'll just get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: It'd be, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I imagine, especially, like, when you're straight edge crashing different parties,
2: I could see that getting old. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'd have to do the move like no matter what even if like we were invited to the party like if you're a straight edge person and you're not like if you're not drinking at any party especially when you're in your 20s people they look at you funny a, like, a, yeah they see it as a threat to yeah. them or something like yeah, that Yeah, um, like a direct like hey man what's your problem why aren't you drinking you yeah. know because this was before a lot of people are sober you know like now in your 30s if you're not drinking at a party people are just like that's cool man like I'll go get you a LaCroix or whatever but <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: um when you're in your 20s and you're not drinking at a party, you're, you're fucked up. You're, 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 you're on to something. So I would go in and I'd grab an empty beer can and then I would wash it out in the, the the bathroom sink and I'd just fill it with water. And I would just. So there are like photos of me floating around, like drinking a beer. Yeah. But I'm just, I just have a can of water because it's just like, I'm, I didn't come here to deal with people getting mad at me just for trying to hang out, you know? But, Literally uh, saving sure. face. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's sometimes there'd be somebody that would be like that knew I was straight edge to be like Bill are you drinking and be like dude chill and know, he's it's, so it's disappointed water. in you <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's all right man I I uh I did consider myself straight edge at one point in my life and uh I, isn't that that expression? Like, if you're not now, you never wear like yeah, a
2: husband. I had that you know. bumper sticker on my GMC Jimmy. <laughs> oh, you did. I think shit. I might have known that. <laughs> yeah. But okay. yeah,
1: no, I remember getting shit from people. Or like, people, yeah, they'd almost act concerned. They'd be like, are you okay? Like, you don't want to smoke weed? Like, why won't you smoke this? I was like, because yeah. I don't fucking need to. Like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> you I, but you know what? Me. At the time, though, right at the time, I was like, the life of the party, like and and I was just like you know the fucking hyper dude like you didn't drink laugh back. and doing ridiculous shit you didn't drink back then a lot no I didn't well no I like I don't know from the ages of like my whole life up until I was like eighteen or nineteen I didn't do anything and I didn't want to yeah I don't know but that's that <laughs> it's, almost there. it's just, it it is funny how society does that like uh they do like especially in high school you're at a high school party and people are like what is wrong with you like you said it's like it's nothing wrong with me
2: <laughs> i mean i i do understand like if there's like a suspicion of like you're here on the prowl like looking for drunk chicks and you're staying sober it's like no that's what this is it's yeah i didn't even think of that like, uh but i don't think that's what's going on through most like when guys get challenged by it i just think it's like I've had it does not happen to me anymore as a thirty eight year old, but it happened a lot in my twenties. Of they would ask you things like,
1: "Do you do you have
2: fun?" (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, like what do you do for
2: fun? You know, and I'd have to be like, "What do you do when like, are you drunk all the time? Like, you know, like when you're not drunk, are you capable of having fun? Because maybe that's what I'm doing during those times. Uh, But um, yeah, they're, they're just. I think a lot of people had this insecurity about maybe how much they drank or something like that. And they'd see somebody that like didn't drink and be like, oh, well, well fuck that. You know, like this is just not, that's not possible. You know, like I'm fine uh, and I'll, I'll show you. And then they drink more, get more insecure and then get angry. And yeah, it's just a, a whole spiral.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: You definitely have fun not drunk. I've been doing it uh, a couple of years now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was, know, I was
0: fine. Very irresponsible for like 20 years. Yeah, how long?
1: How long are you sober now? I ah, mean, uh,
0: I quit the summer 2020.
1: That's why. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good.
0: Packy was the only thing open. That didn't seem right.
1: <laughs> and
0: then it got pretty bad, and I, I went up north.
1: Yeah, that's true. That Packy was like the only thing open during that time, which yeah. is <laughs> kind of fucked up. <laughs>
2: Jesus. Yeah, coronavirus doesn't exist, uh, in, in a, in sure. yeah, a right. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, dude, you've, you seem to have navigated yourself through that whole situation. I, did the hard times keep you pretty busy?
2: Yeah. I mean, so I had started working like full time as the hard times, like in 29 who let's see. Uh, okay yeah yeah all right so yeah lockdown happened in march
3: 2020
2: uh and i I started full-time at the hard times around april 2019 so i had almost a full year of kind of like working from home and already kind of being like isolated like it was the first time i've ever worked from home and that i wasn't working in warehouses or or whatever and uh then when the pandemic hit and everybody was like shut down and working from home was like oh never everybody's just at like what i was doing for the past (laughs) year so um my life did not change other than the fact I had to wait in line like outside of a Trader Joe's for two hours before I could go in because they were limiting how many people could be in the store at, the, at one time. But other than that sort of aspect of it, nothing really changed uh, for me on a, you know, living my life level because I could still skateboard outside, you know? Like, yeah. Really? They didn't.
0: That they you didn't get fucked with for being outside like by yourself chilling? No. No, Pe- people yeah. were getting stopped on the beach over I, here. I,
1: dude, I got kicked off of multiple basketball courts. Damn. Yeah, I swear to God.
2: And you just trying to hoop and then they'd be like, get the hell out of here? Yeah, it was just uh, it was my wife and myself just shooting
1: hoops because, you know, all the courts were empty and then, you know, uh, three different times in three different towns, cops would pull over and be like, what are you doing out here? Like, what the f- <laughs> Why? What's basketball. happening? I find it so hard not to mouth off the cops. So, I, you know. <laughs> the,
2: what the hell are they doing? Like, all right. It's you and your wife. Yeah. Playing basketball yeah. by yourself. Yep. Like, keep driving, cop. You know, get yeah, the fuck yeah. out of here, you loser.
1: Exactly. Uh, God. Exactly. God. Stop licking your boots, buddy.
2: <laughs> Every yeah. guy just needs to feel like, oh, I got to enforce something, you know, like. Um, uh, it was uh, so goddamn stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, literally, the oh, yeah. only people on these courts, and when you know, and I had a little back and forth with a couple of the different cops or whatever. It's being like, we're literally the only people here. Like, why can't we stay? Because <laughs> you gotta go. No, no sense. That's the law. That's the rules right now. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah,
2: the rules were social distance. You know, it wasn't. No. Um, it wasn't be inside and don't you dare uh, breathe the fresh air or yeah. anything like that. But uh there was i live right by a park and for like two years during the pandemic they actually closed the entire park and it was just like locked up and like the groundskeepers would go in there they'd mow the lawn every day but they wouldn't let anybody (laughs) in this public park it's like it's a wide open green space like how is this a problem to hang out
1: there yeah Uh, yeah what do i know yeah that was pretty insane (laughs) it's 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 yeah i don't even so you
0: had you must have had a lot of material for the fucking website like being a satirical website like fucking
1: thousand percent you did
0: just so much going (laughs) on that you could just riff off of
2: we definitely had a lot in the beginning and um then eventually like there was problems because when we would mention covid then we'd start getting flagged as like covid disinformation it's like no we're just joking about like working from home you know and uh but yeah we would get flagged for basically dumb shit where it's like no that that's not what's happening we're not saying anything about vaccines we're not saying anything about how covid spreads we're just mentioning how people interact with covid in this specific way and it would still get flagged uh and yeah it was kind of it's kind of dumb but uh the internet is a dumb place. So yes. you know, Now it is, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, it is. And do you remember when the internet wasn't a, like a shithole? Like the internet was like kind of cool, in like 2006 to like 2012, and then like old people figured out the internet and then just made the internet complete shit. You know, <laughs> it's, it got it got trashed. It's just garbage now.
1: That's a good point. I never thought of it like that.
0: Gener- I didn't, I didn't Generations have- younger than us, I think, too. Like especially the rotten
2: ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, millennials, we perfected the internet. You know, sure. that's all we we had. There's that brief window when, like, maybe two years into MySpace, bef- you know, there was like a brief MySpace window when it was like just peak. This is what social media should be, yeah. and yeah. Uh, there, there, it was just like you find out about shows, you find out about like what bands are touring, <laughs> but you don't. There's not much else. There's nobody on. Occasionally, you see some video of you know two Girls shitting into a cup and then eating it, but other than that, you know, yeah. there was not really that much uh going on. Mike
0: um, Tyson knockout videos,
2: yeah, yeah. You see the Northside Kings guy knock out Glenn Danzig backstage, <laughs> and everybody loves it, but yeah. uh, uh, but yeah, now uh, I, I, if my my goal in life would just be make uh, just all I need is like 100 million dollars, you know, that's it, and I'll just disappear. I'll go, yeah, you're the not place. asking that's for a, much. No, no, I don't think in the grand scheme of things. Just cool, one hundred mil. Fuck
1: yeah, that's a good
0: number. You'd have to be involved (laughs) with something though. What would it be? Heavy-handed.
2: I mean, if if I'm just given the money, then I'll I'll go off the grid. I'll just I'll just start. I'll learn how to paint. It'll be terrible. I'm not a good artist. Uh, but that's that's what I'll do. I'll pass my time that way.
0: Um. I started painting in 2020, but I paint like little miniature shit. But it's still like figurines. Yeah, very fucking therapeutic. I do recommend like any kind of
2: painting. That's cool. I mean, do you have like a like a magnifying glass? Like, are you that miniature? I I thought
0: that I would need one of those, but no, no.
2: Your your eyesight's just so spot on that you can just you can you got natural zoom.
0: I got faith.
1: That's what I got. Hell
0: yeah! Hell yeah! (laughs) But yeah, painting.
1: Interesting.
2: Uh, <laughs> no. Do so you, you don't, don't bring you don't bring your miniatures with you to show Kevin? And I know. Like, I oh, did.
0: This, they this don't like leave new the house to me. No, They don't leave the house yet.
1: You mentioned something about it not that long ago, but I completely forgot that you were doing that. Yeah. Hey, whatever, man. That's yeah. cool.
2: Did you pick up any hobbies during the pandemic, Kevin?
1: Um. Uh, no, I've I've kind of. I've always had my hobbies and they've always been my hobbies. So like I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I write, I play a lot of guitar. I, uh, I, whether it's like literature, poetry, music, whatever. So I and I take a lot of walks. I've always walked a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love walking and, um, in basketball.
2: I, uh, uh, let's go on the walking thing. Do people find it? So I am also a, a big walker. Like mm. yeah, my kind of like a, thing like a lot of times if i'm in a new city i'll look and be like if i can walk there in under two hours that's where i'll go you know like like two hour walk is kind of like beautiful to get to the thing then i'm like all right that that's where that's where i'm at because that's like what four miles or something like that uh sure um but do, do people look at you funny when you're like no let's just walk because i've had so many friends like we can take an uber it'll take us 22 minutes to walk there yeah let's let's walk
1: walk. yeah dude i yeah so i've gotten shit from people over the years but i feel like i've won a lot of people over (laughs) because uh i don't know whenever i walk with friends who aren't normally doing that sort of thing I mean there's we're always wrapped up in conversation and there's laughing and you know I, I think there's something nostalgic about it too because you know when I was a kid we used to walk from like my house in Kim Kwani all the way down to like Shaw's all the time right. and uh, I this. yeah and there was so many I, I feel like a lot of the I think I've won a lot of people over to walking to be honest with
2: you the kids don't walk <laughs>
0: anymore man I tell you yeah.
2: Yeah, new generation do do their legs even work you know that's what I need to know yeah. <laughs>
0: I'd be, you know, all the cars that can't even stay in their lane anyway, they're all blinding people with the new lights.
2: <laughs> so. yeah, dude, my car has those fucking lights on it, and everybody thinks so. I always have shining high beams at them. I'm like, no, this, this dumb Subaru that has the brightest fucking lights in the world. I can't, I don't know what to do. Uh, it's 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 terrible.
0: It's like the angle they're set, but they're like, I don't know, the factory does it because they hate us. Yeah. Fucking fuck it's us.
2: Clearly, that's it's It's a personal attack. They're it's trying it's to the kill only us. thing that could come down to.
0: <laughs> I feel attacked every time I drive at night. It's fucked. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It happens
2: all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's like the bright blue light that just like resets your circadian rhythm. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I guess I'm not sleeping for the next three days. Thanks to <laughs> that piece of shit.
0: And our eyes, like the halogen lights are you know decent for us but we're definitely not meant to stare at leds like not not. good at all
1: we're not meant to be exposed to a lot of shit that we're exposed to
0: (laughs) we are the most survivable motherfuckers man we have so much against us
1: it's true it's true we're lucky to be alive lucky to be born i mean what there's how many children and fucking sperm before it hits an egg i mean whoa whoa (laughs) you're going back man i mean going back to the balls we're just lucky (laughs) to be in the balls
2: i'm in the yeah (laughs) can you think to the balls i mean he's just like we got there almost instantly he's just like all right let's talk about let's talk about semen count. hey fuck it
1: okay i guess i'll transition (laughs) i really wanted to talk about semen (laughs) have
0: have you seen any bands lately any good shows any mind-blowing shows
2: i just went to uh so back in 2002 i got introduced to uh, the band botch uh just as they broke up oh sweet uh, yeah good band. yeah yeah, uh, yeah, they re- it just released Anthology of Dead Ends, and my friend Graham was like, you gotta listen to this. And I was like, this is so sick. And I was like, this band fucking rips. Like, yeah, they just broke up. It's Like, great. Well, that's uh, awesome. So since 2002, I said, if Botch ever gets back together, I will fly anywhere in the world to see them play. And then uh, they announced that they were doing a reunion show in Seattle. So I saw them like two weeks ago now uh, oh, wow. in Seattle, uh, and it was fucking amazing. Um, uh, everything – they've, they've been broken up for 20 years. It doesn't seem like they've missed a beat. Like, you know, they're they're in their 40s now, but they played just as heavy. The vocalists sounded just as sick, and everybody – the band was tight as hell um it was amazing that's, that's rad, so good
0: man. to hear that's awesome yeah.
1: yeah they're one of those bands man like they uh they're timeless they don't yeah they, they've never dated themselves you know
2: yeah and so many bands came along and ripped them off over the years and yeah it's like oh they're just like a botch ripoff band and then you listen to like botch like this is it man like they fucking found something here and uh but yeah, they were they were amazing. Uh, there's no other words to describe it. everybody. And everybody that was there at the show just seemed like happy after every song. They're like, "I can't believe I got to see Botch play that song." You know, like uh, it sort of happened like 17 times if they played 17 songs. Everybody just kind of looked at each other, like, "Can you believe it?" Like <laughs> that's uh,
0: that was me going to shows around here when you you know when you were still coming around, like going to shows like at Priority or like you know. Back in those days, it was so good to yeah. see like the Red Cord or like on Earth, and they always mm-hmm. get brought. Those old days always get brought up, man. Like mm-hmm. Seven Day Curse shows,
2: oh, and Seven Day Curse underrated uh, uh, yeah. band. You know, like the the fact that everybody doesn't still. I mean, there, there's such. This is the time of like there's such like the epitome of local band to me because I don't think like Seven Day Curse. Like if I talk to anybody in California about Seven Day Curse, even if they're my age, they'd be like, who the hell are you talking about? And yeah. they'd be like, it's fucking seven-day curse, man. They Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: they really did. Uh, but they
0: know who 12 Cent is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, you know Dan from 12 Cent? Like, yeah, okay, he lives in San Diego now. I get it. He knows everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I, wait, did, do either of you guys have any 12 Cent MP3s or anything, like, on an old computer? I've been wanting to get, like, somebody to send me a couple of 12 cent songs because they just don't exist on the internet uh you know outside of somebody that has a cd somewhere
1: i'm pretty sure my boy mikey could hook that up i can
0: probably get all
2: the scotty yeah
1: I, oh yeah that's I, I need
2: true. i need some 12 cent in my life like i find there's like one song on spotify from like a compilation and i'm like i guess this is 12 cent but it's not like the 12 cent i listen to yeah you know? like
1: yeah well what's some of your favorite 12 cent stuff
2: I can't even remember. Whatever one had the Pee Wee Herman, you know. Oh, the sample. first. And
1: it, I think. Yeah, that, yeah.
2: And then there were bands like Paging Mr. Suburban Herman Rejects. at the front desk. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, there were like the Suburban Rejects with like the Two in the Pink, One in the Stink song. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jeeper H. I mean, Cracker. Uh, I mean, it's right.
1: Dude, those bands around here for like DIY, they were influential on a lot of the scene around here yeah like 12 cent was a big influence on many people on the south shore
2: yeah they were huge man i mean i, I wasn't huge anymore, but like another band that got so much credit on the south shore was junction 18 you yeah, know like yeah it's true and um yeah it's just funny uh, i i don't know I, <laughs> I know i'm out of touch uh in, in that sense but like i don't think it works like that anymore you know like it's mm. uh You have to have some sort of, you know, as soon as you release a demo, it's on Spotify. So Mm. anybody in the world can find it, and you have to go on your social media, and you have to push it. It's no longer, here's our three-song demo that we handed to you as you walked out the door that's burned on a CDR, And, uh, you know, it's got just Sharpie on there that says this was recorded in 1999 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was so much more personal
2: back then. Yeah. More intimate. Internet, yeah, like yeah. I have, i have like the red chord three song demo like somewhere in my cds that are in storage It's just like i mean listening to those three songs like if you had that demo you're like oh shit something is about to change uh because this is so fucking sick yeah. and with uh, hits
0: like jar full of bunny parts and hell yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: dude uh breed the cancer was on there i mean get out of here oh, uh, just too much man uh, but yeah I mean th- th- those were just fun times alright so I was writing a Hard Times article today uh, and I, I was reminded of like a show I went to in Taunton in 2002 it was called the Chariots of Fire Fest and uh, it was like a two day fest like a Life Once Lost played a bunch of local bands played but um, I was just looking at, like, I googled it because I wanted to find um if I could find like a band listing, like who who actually played this, and a YouTube video popped up. I forget the name of the band, but it's something that happened at that show that I've thought about for the past 20 years. And I laughed to myself, and I found the video of it. I was like, I can't believe this exists in the world. Like I thought this would be forgotten to time, but it's this band. They're you know middle of the show. Like nobody's ever heard of them. I mean, let me let me. Actually, look up the name of the band uh, because maybe you're like, oh, actually, I'm best friends with those guys. Um, It was Distrust was the band. I Um, I vaguely remember them. Yeah, so the lead singer is wearing a long sleeve NWO long sleeve, you know, and he's got gauntlets on on his wrists. Oh, all right. So, oh yeah, they're they're playing their first song, and after the first song, he goes to take his long sleeve off. So he pulls it over his head, and he gets the shirt on. And then he realizes that his gauntlets are under the sleeve, so he's stuck (laughs) in his shirt inside out. the band is all looking at him everybody's laughing and he's like stepping on his shirt to try to rip it off and he can't get out of his shirt because he forgot to unclip his goddamn gauntlets and I remember watching that and laughing my ass off like seeing like the guy's fucking stuck in his shirt trying to look cool in this metal band it's an exhibit
0: alone by itself
2: (laughs) and then the band like gets impatient and they just start playing again and he's still stuck in the shirt so he's like singing with the shirt over his arm and uh, god it is absolutely ridiculous like I'm so happy like, and it's the only set that I could find from chariots of fire feft like none of the like it dies today played that and there's no it dies today footage it's just this 20 minute distress set with the guy that gets this shirt stuck on his head and man it, I, I couldn't believe it like it was a like Christmas gift
1: <laughs> oh, that's so good yeah that sounds magnificent <laughs> What, what were so what what were like the what was the first show you ever went to in the South
2: Shore? Uh, first show I ever went or to, or in general, yeah, it was at the the C Note in Hull. It was uh, oh, I went what? with my good buddy Matt McDonald. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Big B and the Kid Table headlined. Uh Wolfham was the second on the, the bill, and yeah, it was a it was a ska show. Big B and the Kid Table at the C Note in Hull. <laughs> and then and then after that i would go see like whatever band scott smith was in you know was, like, yeah, yeah. season. the automata uh yeah all hand, the way up through draw blood or whatever
1: handful of good bands Rift scott's in. always been in good bands yeah
2: He's a great drummer i mean wait, wait wasn't he the drummer on the original demo for uh what's the name uh chasing tomorrow yeah. yep. original? Yeah, yeah yeah he
1: was yeah 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 yeah, yeah that that's was,
2: that's why I had that demo is because Scott gave it to me and he's like, yeah, kind of like go like Misfits inspired, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean Scott Scott best drummer on the South Shore. If you ask me, uh, yeah. fuck yeah,
1: man. Yeah, super talented. He 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 was one of those dudes. He picked it up right away. He was just really, he was fucking awesome when we were kids when we were in Jason mark. You can hear him
0: awesome. now in Summoner. He's so tight.
1: Yeah. Yep scott plays in summoner now you listen to summoner
2: um it's not really the genre that i fuck with um i've i've, I've listened to them and just i always think what scott does is good um uh, but yeah it's not like something that i would turn on on, yeah. on my own uh yeah that that, that sort of slower uh, doom stuff has never it's never really been my genre sure sure
1: yeah, I, uh, God, what, so, yeah, I, I played with Scott Smith and then Pat McKean, who also has been in really good bands. Well,
2: He's yeah. not, he was in uh, Lost
1: and Found and Never Another Tomorrow, and oh, shoot, they were fucking yeah. cool, man. Rest um, in peace, Ryan Fraser, man.
2: A Quick, uh, quick Pat McKean story that also has to do with James, um, uh
1: <laughs> oh, so it's,
2: it's when pat skated we were in uh boston you know we're probably 15 or 16 uh we pat, went we pat was the, an
1: ollieing animal <laughs> yeah
2: you would huck it no matter what like uh so we were at the all uh, no the harvard t-stop uh and we're going up the escalator and there was a woman standing in front of us and pat nudges me he's like watch i'm gonna get james in trouble and he Pokes the woman in like uh, like the lower back with his finger, so she'd turn around and like be like, "What are you doing to James? Like, like don't touch me." And she turned around and looked because he like kind of did it on the side where James was standing. But she turned around and looked right, right at Pat, and he's just like, "Fuck!" Uh, but I just always was like, "Yeah, dude, what are you doing, you idiot?" Uh, and then it was like halfway up the escalator, so we had to uh, deal with that for the rest of the time. It's like way to go, Pat, uh, genius move. Wah, wah, wah. yeah that's what we're right Pat used to fuck
1: with everybody <laughs> you can check out his yeah. episode previous episode oh yeah we had Pat on the show not that long ago because <laughs> we play together in the woods too so yeah oh, right. he's a good time <laughs> and now he's in uh, Rocket Gods yeah Rocket Gods yeah. yeah they're fun too they're fun man Rob Carroll is a hell of a front man What's going on in your area, like, in the punk scene? Is there any any current bands that you're really digging?
2: Um, yeah, LA is, like, a. I mean, it's, it's kind of tough. You know, just being an adult and being in the punk scene that you didn't grow up in, where you're just, like, I don't even know where good shows happen. But Sure. Um, and then two years of the pandemic, where it was just, like, uh, kind of fucked everybody up. But, like, I kind of – I live – Uh, I haven't gone to shows there, but sometimes they'll do uh, shows under a bridge over here, and they call it, like, Frogtown Stadium. Uh, And they'll basically just play, like, an outdoor show under the bridge and just fuck things up and, you know, set off fireworks and shit. Like, I live in a... That sounds rad. Yeah. I live in a neighborhood that's kind of... um, It's gentrifying very fast, but it was uh, kind of a forgotten area of Los Angeles, so it was very industrial, like just across the river from where I live and people will throw shows over there. Sometimes like I'll hear drumming out my window and I'll be like, sounds like a punk band's playing. And I'll like walk out the door, walk up to the river and be like, all right, do I recognize any of this? Uh, like, and it's like, of course I don't, I don't know local punk bands that are playing uh, <laughs> DIY shows, uh, you know, on old uh, land using a generator to power their amps. But um yeah, there's a couple Good. I mean, I just bought the record from the band Zulu. They just released their second record, and they're fucking sick. Uh, they're just like a power violence type band. Um, they're getting pretty, them. pretty big. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's just like I listen to the same shit I listened to in two thousand three. I, um, I'm that guy.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So are who, who are they? Where are you at? Who? Who's some of
2: them? <laughs> Uh, you know, your uh, your your Cavins, your your minus the Bear, your Botch, your your Get Up Kids. You know, just hell yeah. It's, it's, it's the it's the same shit that was playing on my my six disc CD changer.
1: You know. Uh, well, dude, you just named three bands that stand the test of time. As far as I'm concerned, I like Get Up Kids still. I fucking love listening to them. Yeah. One of my favorite albums I mean, of all time is get, uh, something to write home about. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's home a, about a, is a masterpiece. masterpiece. It's
2: brilliant it's a
0: yeah. masterpiece. Absolutely. Um, and you like uh hard cave in or like antenna cave in?
2: Uh, I like until your heart stops. Uh, Jupiter is, I mean, obviously your departure, but antenna is where obviously it's there. I, I listened to it a lot at the time, but it's not one that I revisit if I'm going to, pop on cave and it is usually uh, beyond hypothermia or until your heart stops right on
0: I've always dug all the show I mean they're pretty good yeah. pretty talented
2: Bill, yeah. you were you, were you know were, what they doing were you a no effects fan? all right I got I have a no effects story if you guys I, need I'm it. sure um, yeah
1: I had it well I did want to ask you something about a certain stand-up act you did <laughs> yeah. um, is that where you're going with this
2: yeah so I mean to answer your question I absolutely Love No Effects. Hell you know, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, for the, it, it's one of those things that, like, their catalog is so vast. It's amazing. It's just like, yeah, like, but I, I can't cover it, all of it. So it's like, if you were like, hey, Bill, have you listened to this No Effects album? Like, never heard it. But if you want to talk every lyric from Punk and Drawbook, then yeah, I'm in. You know, like, yeah, of uh, course. Or, or two heaps white trash and a bean, yeah. Every song, dude. I've for me, S N
1: M Airlines, like S N M Airlines yeah. and Rancid, is what got me into punk as a kid. Because I had an older sure. cousin that like was giving me his, you know, CDs as he bought the next album to come out by that band. And S N M Airlines,
2: right. man, holy fuck. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, so, through stand up and through the hard times, Fat Mike during COVID. Out. Yeah, during COVID, we had um, we did a hard times like live comedy show in Fat Mike's backyard for weekend at Fatty's Fest, which they yeah. did during COVID. Uh, which No Effects played all of Two Heaps of White Trash and the Bean from front to back for like the first time in like thirty years, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so I got to see. In No Effects went on like second, first, or second. So I was like, I'm glad I showed up early for this thing because I would have missed <laughs> No Effects playing this to a backyard like joanna angels back there just like that's joanna angel like you know uh that's a trad, big, man. uh and and there's like 30 people there and i'm like on one side of fat mike's pool and he's on the other side and they're just playing this and like and then el jefe pulls out the, the trumpet for whatever during bob and i'm like <laughs> oh, what, what the hell's happening you know uh and so it was just like one of those cool surreal experiences where you're just like, I have to just stop and appreciate this for one second, that that I'm here right now. And then the problem was, um, the comedy should have happened before any of the bands started playing because after a full day of music with everybody drinking, nobody wants to go from a raucous punk show to, okay, now four or five comedians are going to talk about their dicks. Uh, and you're all going to pay attention (laughs) And we had to go on after Fishbone, which I'm not even a huge Fishbone fan, you know. But Fishbone had put on the best show I've ever seen in my fucking life. Wow. In Fat Mike's backyard. Like they all went off. Like the front man of Fishbone is the greatest front man I've ever seen perform. Like he was just going nuts and they were all energy. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like all these people are the most talented musicians and the best performers I've ever seen. And then they ended and it was just like, all right, and now here are the comedy stylings of a couple of boneheads. You know, it's like, oh. Uh, and we didn't really get much of an intro. It was, like, a tough setup. Like, I, if there was, like, a, a second round of this, I would be like, here's my notes from the first one. But, like, sure. as the host of the comedic portion, it's tough because you have to try to wrangle a bunch of drunk punk cats to be like, hey, guys, shut up and just watch us. It's like... I know you were just yelling and screaming along to every word, but now you need to shut your fucking mouths. Um, so like I started doing the set and it was being filmed and I was started. I'm like, I'm like two or three minutes in and somebody's like, Hey, Hey, stop. We need to start over. Oh, what? Like we need to film it. And I was like, Oh, that's not how this really works. You know, like, it's like, uh-huh.
0: like this show. I, I
2: yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it just completely derailed it. Um, but, you know, the other comedians were much more seasoned. They did a little bit better. You know, there's this uh, comedian, Steph Toliv, amazing. She's one of my current favorites. She, she just did a special. Like, she's on, like, whatever Bill Burr's, like, special was that he put out on Netflix where he had, like, his friends perform. She had a set in that, and I got to see her a bunch of times working it out in Los Angeles. And, like, seeing her perform that, I've, like, never laughed harder. She's, like, the most ridiculous, funny um, stand-up comedians so uh, definitely if you have the chance to see steph tolev you have to Tol- see it and then there was yeah how do you spell that total uh, tolev t-o-l-e-v and steph like stephanie but short okay. um and uh, this other guy dave ross who was a really good comedian was on there and then jonah ray like closed us out and he was the smartest one he was just like oh i'm going a Play Weird Al covers, but punk. You know, like he's wow, like I'm gonna play wow. punk Weird Al songs, and it's just and they, those like crushed, and because uh, like, he played it on an acoustic guitar, like he's like a folk punk, and everybody loved it. I was like, that's what you got to do, you know, what like the- uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he crushed. That's perfect. Did you trigger yeah. happy by any chance? It might have. I mean, I'm not I'm not deep enough into the Weird Al uh, oeuvre that I would be able to pick out particular tracks, especially if I they're gotcha. done in a. Punk way, um, but um, let me pause real quick. I gotta feed my dog. And Absolutely, I'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna take
1: a pee. Right. <laughs> yeah, so you got you you uh, were telling us about Weekend of Fatties, and uh, we were talking about uh, the Weird Al covers, which is pretty fucking dynamite. Uh, did you have any? Did you have any? Um, I don't know. Were you just kind of like shocked, or like in just like disbelief, or just? just being at the show itself and being around yeah. no effects. I mean, I'm sure you don't get starstruck. I mean, I'm, you know, but
2: I mean, it, it is, so it is surreal. Um, hold on. My wife is calling guys. I'm sorry. One, no, one, don't be sorry, second. dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. i phone. phone call. Could have been a text. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, it's all right. We cut it out.
1: Yeah. So we, we, you did talk a little bit earlier how you were standing across the pool and you were just kind of like, you know, looking at what's going on around you. And well, yeah, what else happened then? Yeah, what then. else happened?
2: I mean, it's it's surreal just to be in a situation like that because, like, you're looking around and, like, e- even if that's not the, the genre of, punk that like i most like attach to like everybody likes no effects or at least like some part of no effects there's there's just no getting around it if you're into punk i know a lot
1: of people that don't but i don't understand
2: them (laughs) but they could say that but it's like all right so if they rated all of no effects as music as a whole then yeah they probably don't but like then to be like okay but what about these three songs definitely yeah those songs fucking are awesome definitely of course they are yeah um yeah and uh so yeah, it's weird being around that sort of thing because like I'm walking around Fat Mike's house and I'm like, I mean, I was 13 listening to I heard they suck live on a family camping trip, you know, and just like And hearing them like riff on stuff, and now I'm like walking around this guy's house aimlessly, kind of just feeling bad about how I just bombed doing comedy, you know? It's like <laughs> it's it's this weird thing that shouldn't happen, um, and like I. Fat Mike is doing the Punk Rock Museum. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I'm gonna be I driving on, like, out Zoom... there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. Hold so on. Why does Bill
1: gonna... sound like he's in a can right now? What is Uh-oh. that? It's probably just
0: a Zoom from California. Okay.
2: All right. Well, let me just uh, check my references real quick. Okay. Are we good? Yep. Um, okay. Um, so, yeah, Fat Mike is doing the Punk Rock Museum. And I was just on a Zoom call with him like a couple weeks ago. Because he wants me to like write up, like fake profiles, like uh, in the hard times voice of like people that are doing like the tours, so they can put them in like the pamphlet for the museum when you walk in and pick up a pamphlet. That's the guided, awesome. the, the guided <laughs> yeah. tours, yeah, yeah. And so, like those guided tours, like I'm kind of tasked with. I mean, I'm I'm dragging my ass. I need to get on it and uh, submit these to, to Fat Mike. But it's just weird talking to Fat Mike about like comedy ideas, you know, just like oh what if we did this and i'm like fucking at mike like i mean he's been a punk legend since i was born you know like yeah it's uh, it's it's surreal
1: that's so funny man i i have like a we have a production company here that we're trying to get off the ground and a few different ideas of things we're trying to do and one of them involves no effects (laughs) yeah
2: um forcing them not to retire is that is that one of the no things? it's not, they're not no. even coming here
1: on the tour <laughs> it's a documentary even. i want to call the cause but uh mm-hmm. you know I, I can't say anything more than that
2: <laughs> okay, well, just drop it we'll move on <laughs>
1: yeah dude that is that's awesome man i don't i've I, I work I've worked in and out of the film industry in my life and I've met a lot of musicians in different parts of the world and I've never been starstruck or but I think if I met if I think if I met Mike I might be a little like huh, fuck <laughs> yeah.
2: but it's a, a, another weird thing talking with him um, is like the whole no effects thing is just kind of like being funny and carefree and fun yeah. so. Like when you're talking with him, you kind of want to be funny, you know, it's just like, but you don't sure. want to like overdo it, you so don't like want to get a lame. Couple, yeah, exactly. So, like, getting a couple laughs from him, like, ah, oh, just made fat Mike laugh, all right, like, I got <laughs> it, like, uh, nice, uh, but uh, that's all I wanted, um, but yeah, and I mean, recently, this is another thing I've, I've been working on, like, kind of on like the legends, um, thing is, um, so a couple of years back, I had. Tony Hawk a DM on Instagram, like, "Hey, would you ever want to do this podcast?" Because like, he follows the hard, and um, and he never responded, as he, and, and he shouldn't because you know, <laughs> sending a cold DM to somebody, uh they should never have to, they should never see that. But um you do it though. I mean, I've, I've done it too. <laughs> yeah, shoot your shot, you know. You yeah, gotta exactly. See, gotta see what happens. Exactly. Um, and so mm. he had broken his femur skating, and so he got back to me he's like hey uh if you're still up for this like i have time like if you want to do a podcast interview but i wasn't doing my podcast anymore and i've like so i like responded i was like oh man like we're not doing the hard times podcast anymore and i told that to my wife and she's like are you a fucking moron and i was like <laughs> oh, i was like what and she's like you go talk to him anyway yeah and I was like, oh, yeah you're right you know I was like and so then i immediately messaged him back i was like you know, there's no rule saying I can't do a one-off episode. Like um so yeah, if you're down for that. And so I went to Tony Hawk's house and I interviewed Tony Hawk for over an hour and just <laughs> talked to him about like you know, skating in the late 70s, early 80s. This demo that he did in Whitman. In like Whitman. we talked about Whitman a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, I got I got to ask him about this thing that we were told as kids forever. You know, Tony Hawk skated here. It's like bullshit. He didn't skate there. And I got like the full story of like that tour and like these, how they did the demos and like the van, like they were touring around like a punk band with ramps that folded up into the van perfectly. Like you would pack your amps and stuff into a van and then they would bust out all the ramps at the demos. And he just told me all about this tour. And like, we joked about like how, the bass player is always the guy that's like the default tour manager he's like that was our flat ground guy our flat ground guy was the one that did all the booking for these things and like talked to the skate shops and cool. it was like this just crazy interview talking with tony hawk and that will come out soon that hopefully. is so just- wow. fucking
1: cool man that's awesome yeah. our um, uh, our former bass player in the woods actually like has a, a poster signed by him from that whitman demo from when he no sk- he's yeah you know jamie kraus don't you
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah dude. Oh, it was Jamie. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was makes Jamie. Sense then.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep.
2: Um, oh, yeah, and he... Joe Joe Barrett says hello. By the way. Oh. all right. Well, tell tell Joe I said hello as well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, how many times have I moshed to a Joe Barrett breakdown? Yeah. You
1: know? like, no shit. You know? like, <laughs>
0: uh, we got him doing just, another show, doing album hype,
1: just basically music reviews. Yeah, he's got a cool oh. podcast called Album Fight.
2: Um, I have couple old photos that i just like dug up in um of joe i mean we we went into my neighbor's yard because they had a trampoline and like when they weren't home and it's joe like trampoline skating and like he's doing a flip like holding a board and i just like oh just weird joe barrett from our freshman year of high school because we (laughs) became friends because we were the only two people that listened to heavier music back then you know and yeah uh, yeah, I think Joe showed me System of a Down, you know, I was like, uh, you know, it's just weird. I don't know.
1: I still like System of a Down. Yeah.
2: If you don't like System of a Down, like, especially their first two albums, like, what's wrong with you? I you like, toxicity.
1: like Toxicity. Toxicity, yeah. to me, was, like, a brilliant album.
2: The self-titled and Toxicity are both amazing. Oh. And also, I live, like, adjacent to the neighborhood. Like, they're, they're from Glendale in Los Angeles. So, like... Oh. They're, they're royalty in Glendale, you know? Oh, shit. Like, yeah. uh, they, they should have a system of a down flag hanging over the American flag on all government buildings. That would be uh, wonderful. In <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be perfect. <laughs> you ever seen them play live?
2: No, I've never seen them, but they would always be playing concerts, you know? And like, I've never been to like, a concert, really. Sure, you know, it's yeah. only. Uh, I mean, there's a couple festivals I've been to, but those are miserable. Uh, but I've never <laughs> yeah. been to uh, a system of a down one. Mm.
1: I saw them play at, like, a River Rave one year, and uh, it was yeah. it was fucking awesome.
2: <laughs>
0: what do you hate about festivals?
2: Um, oh, where do we start? Stinky, uh, right. smelly, <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking... <laughs> Sound quality, awful. Um, view, typically terrible. Um, sunstroke, uh, yeah, probably gonna get that lack of good food. Uh, that's high <laughs> yeah. hydration is at a minimum. Um, bathrooms terrible. Uh, let's see where parking situation that's god awful. Um, ticket prices for that through the roof yeah. for the lowest quality of seeing a band uh, <laughs> possible. Uh, I went to Riot Fest this past year, the hard tent did a thing out there, so I was able to get a where I was basically given full access, so I was able to see like Jimmy Eat World play from the stage. Oh, know? that's cool! It was just like, yeah, and um, and somebody I'm friends with this guy who plays drums in uh, the Swellers, and he's like, oh, this is gonna sound terrible from back here because they. He was a more a nerdy about it. He's like, they play with a certain thing, so all the sound travels straight out. You know, so like yeah. all we're gonna hear is the drums back here we need to go over to that backstage area over there where we got a straight shot of the view and, uh, yeah, so uh, but yeah, I got to meet, like, Brian Baker at that fest too for Minor Threat and, like, Kevin Seconds which was That's cool. cool uh, yeah, uh, and the Misfits also played it, but, like, the problem with festivals is they're so long that I was like, I'm, I can't stay for the Misfits. Like, I, it's I mm. they're going on too late uh, and then getting back from this fest, I won't be back into my hotel by three o'clock and I'm a fucking wuss. So I'm leaving early. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I will regret that. I will regret that. But you know, the comfort of being in my hotel before midnight was more important. Than that. I think,
1: yeah. I think in many cases, festivals are very fun for the band and a lot of people in the audience suffer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I played a lot of festivals in Europe and, and uh, they were amazing times but, yeah. You know, that was for you. You yeah. see, you, well, you also see, like, uh, ambulances and heat stroke and mm. fucking <laughs> pretty common.
2: When, so, at Riot Fest this past year, My Chemical Romance was, you know, it was before they did their world tour, so this was, like, one of their first oh, shows yeah. back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, you know, gates opened at 11 in the morning and my Chemical Romance was going on until like eight thirty, nine o'clock. Do you like them? Are you a fan of them? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I like of theirs. Yeah, um, same, same. And um, so I was like excited. I was like, "Oh, they're going on too late," you know. So I'm not going to see them. But there was people getting there at eleven, running across, sprinting in the Chicago humid heat, <laughs> sprinting across the field to stake out their place at the front of the stage for uh, My Chemical Romance to play over 12 hours later it's just like Ugh. dude I, what are you guys gonna shit your pants there like what Ugh. the fuck are you doing like there's no way you're gonna be able to stay there the entire time but um i was able to see them in los angeles at the forum because i had a friend that was trying to get rid of some tickets and they were like we'll sell them to you uh, i was like oh yeah I, I i would love that and they put on an amazing show that was actually that's like i said i've never been to a concert my chemical romance was a concert they played at you know, where the Lakers used to play in a, in a stadium, sort of not a stadium, but an arena
0: like the God, they were
2: great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Except there was no obstructed view seats where you sit behind a pillar uh, and Mm. people try to fight you in line for no reason.
1: Dude. So you had a podcast you did a episode with Tony Hawk as of recently. What's going on with your podcast? Was, Was that the straight edge podcast you
2: had? So, yeah, that was the first podcast I ever did. I did like over a 100 episodes of that, but that was, I probably stopped that in like 2016. Um, oh, wow. Well, that was, yeah, that was, I mean, that was an interesting like foray into the, because uh, I, I would talk to, it, it, you know, podcasts were still big at the time, but they weren't, uh, I could still get a hold of people, you know, and like I talked with, you know, Mark McCoy from Youth Attack and like, just people that I listened to from when I was 16, uh, and be like, Oh, I'm talking to these people about straight edge and stuff like that. And, um, then my hard times co-founder and I, we did the hard times podcast for a couple years and that kind of ran its course. Like doing a weekly podcast is tough. You guys know this, you know, it is tough to book edit. I mean, I was 15 minutes late because I'm a fucking dickhead, you know, um, (laughs) you know, that, that happens all the time, where people just forget, and or they get on a Zoom call and they don't know how to use it. Like we had John Joseph from the Chrome Crowbags;
3: yeah. uh,
2: <laughs> he couldn't figure out how to use the whatever we recorded it on. And yeah. Like we're like, you need to be on Google Chrome, and he had to download Google Chrome, oh, no. and then he was like, and then when he used that, he's like. Oh, I fucked up my computer. Oh, you guys, you fuck. Oh, you guys are fucking dead. You know? Yeah. Just, you know oh my god. Yeah. You like, guys
1: fucked even... up my computer.
2: <laughs> yeah, and like, was like, dude, your your Firefox is fine. You just had to download <laughs> Google Chrome. You know, like, get off of it. But, uh, um, but yeah, we did that for a little while, and then I did a podcast. Um, it was a monthly podcast that I really enjoyed. It was called the Bird Button. I did it with a couple friends, and we would watch old skate videos and kind of do like breakdowns and recaps of all the parts the music hell yeah uh, that's skate videos and we did a couple of classics then it was tough like the other hosts so we all we all got too busy and then it was just like uh all right i guess we're done and now i have this new podcast that hopefully will come out soon that first episode will be the tony hawk one but the whole premise behind this is talking with the skateboarders and maybe some of the musicians that had songs in the Tony Hawks pro skater games. Oh, so nice. talking to all the skateboarders. Dude, those sa- those, those games, soundtracks oh are like God. infamous now. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the skaters yeah, you yeah. were able to play, those are like the, our heroes back in the day.
2: Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah, so I already, I had a couple people, I reached out to like, everybody had a couple responses already and everybody's like, yeah, I can do it. You know? So it's just like sick. So, uh, eventually, that will come out. It'll probably be a monthly podcast because I can I just can't do weekly It's fucking tough, you know. Sure. Like, anybody that's like podcasting's easy. Do it. Do it and book guests. Yeah. Buy it. It's fucking yeah. tough.
0: Yeah. Do you have a name for it?
2: Um. Yes. Uh. It's a very an intentionally long name. Uh. It will be <laughs> the Hard Times Tony Hawk's Pro Skater podcast with Bill Conway. So oh, that's I love the, it. <laughs> the name will be because I'm pretty sure saying Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is trademarked, so I have to put as much shit around it to, uh, like, no, it's not called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. It's called The Hard Times Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Podcast with Bill Conway. It's not it's not Tony Hawk's Pro Skater at all.
1: That's a uh, but,
2: but we'll see. We'll see if I end up getting sued by Activision. You know, come at me. I don't have any money anyway.
1: Dude, the band I toyed Europe with is in one of the Tony Hawk games. I, I, I toyed Europe with 25 to Life.
2: Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. How, how's how's Rick doing? Rick's
1: doing good, man. He's doing good. If you ever need to, like, you know, connect yourself with him, I could uh, make that happen too. He's a character. <laughs>
2: yeah. Boy is he. Boy
1: is he. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what
2: what twenty five dollar life I was in uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater?
1: Ah, oh, what the fuck? Um, it was um, shit. Give me a second. I don't want to waste too much time thinking about it. I might have to get back to you on that. It was in one of the Tony Hawk games. I think it might have been oh, Tony Hawk Underground. Um,
2: uh, yeah, shit! Fucking.
1: I can. Pr- I'll, I'll Google it. Let's waste time. Somebody says something. <laughs> boom. boom! 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 Boom!
2: Boom! 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 Over the years, maybe. Yes. Yeah. It was over the years. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, Das Oath is in that as well. Yep. <laughs> um so uh another quick sidebar. So the first guest I had on my first podcast ever was Mark McCoy. Uh wow. who was the singer of Charles Bronson and the singer in Das Oath. And when I was a senior in high school my problem date all lined up. Uh, and then I saw that Das Oath was playing their supposed last American tour ever and it just so happened they were playing Providence uh, the only like it was the closest date to where we lived um, the night of my prom so like two or three weeks before the prom I had to tell my date like I'm not going to the prom I'm going to see Das Oath play an abandoned storefront in Providence, Rhode Island and I don't care Uh, I'm sorry if you think I'm a dick uh, but this is more important and Hell I don't yeah. regret it. It was fucking sick. As soon as they played, Mark McCoy just kicked the dude right next to me in the chest so fucking hard. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm glad that wasn't me. That would have stopped my heart. Uh, and then they, just, <laughs> they they tore it up after that. And uh, I, I recently saw like Phoebe Bridgers had like a, a promotional photo shoot. She's wearing a death Oath shirt. I'm like, fuck yeah, Phoebe Bridgers in a Doth Oath shirt.
1: Wow! Wow! <laughs> That's a riot, man. <laughs> Fucking hey, dude. I was gonna. I wanted to ask you a little bit about. Well, before you got to where you are now, um, you were balancing out the passions that you have. You were skating and working on the hard times, but uh, as a full time job, you were. What were you doing before this? Do we remember so. that?
2: <laughs> for the longest time I was working. So, you know, I went to South York vocational regional, technical high school as, uh, you know, famously I I went there and I was in the electrical program. And, um, so for a couple of years straight out of high school, I was an apprentice electrician and then I did not like that. And so I worked at an electrical supply house, uh, Ralph pillow Electric supply in East Bridgewater. Uh, my boss was, uh, Andy McDonald, uh, sorry, Andy McWalter. Uh, and, <laughs> um, and, uh, so I worked in electrical supply houses for the longest time. When I moved to San Francisco, I worked in an electrical supply house called independent electric supply, which was right across the street from the world's famous third and army skate spot. So every day on my lunch break, I'd skate like the most famous skate spot in all of San Francisco. Um, you know, just take my lunch there. And it was like, it was like a dream, you know, like yeah, a skateboarder's dream dude. to, um, you know, just be there. Like there was all the pros would go there, you know, like I would show up and the top name pros would be skating there. Like I would always see this guy, Dennis Buzenitz, who was like my favorite skateboarder of all time, skating there just by himself. Uh, and there was one time I was eating lunch. I, I wasn't actually at the skate spot. I was across the river from where it is just eating lunch at a picnic table because was, it was too windy to skate that day. But he was over there. And he was trying, there's this curved ledge at Third and Army. There's multiple curved ledges that are very tough to skate. And he was trying to do backside nose blunts across and around it. And that ended up being a thrash uh, cover of Thrasher Skateboards. Like, I saw him taking the photo. Oh, wow. Of, Damn. Like, the Thrasher cover as I'm eating my lunch break. And it's like, man, this is just. It's like crazy a forest. For,
0: it's like Forrest Gump. All that shit happens to him. He's just <laughs> yeah. there.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're
2: not, you're not wrong. Um, and uh yeah and then i moved up to portland and worked you guessed it in an electrical supply house wow Um, i I, I worked in a different hardware store until like i was able to get a better paying and just better job at this electrical supply house called oaf electric which was um you know close to my house i could just skate to work it was only like a mile or two or I'd walk because walking is fine uh, everybody should walk more and, uh, definitely <laughs> when I was in Portland that's where I started the podcast Edgeland and that's where the hard times started so wow. um, for the longest time when there was like dead times at work I would just work on hard time stuff whether it be like clerical stuff like scheduling or I need to do some quick edits or like we were doing like a breaking news piece I could write it up real quick and a lot of my day was like, all right, I would. And I had like a very understanding boss. And like when he, he was a younger guy and he showed up one day and I kind of showed like I'd worked there for like a year and he showed up and I was like, hey, when there's no work to be done, you know, like when I've pulled all the orders and the phones aren't ringing, I'm going to be working on this. And he looked at me. He's like, that's amazing. You should do that. And I was like, wow, cool. like I'm glad we're on the same page. And so like his support like helped you know you know, let it grow because he encouraged that sort of thing and encouraged that in a way you know we it's just like but it was one of those things like i'm gonna do my job better than anybody else that is gonna work here so like don't worry like all the orders are gonna be pulled they're gonna be pulled correctly everybody's gonna be happy but when there's downtime i'm not making cold calls or anything like that we're <laughs> I'm just going to work on this and we're all going to live in harmony. And he's like, yeah, sounds great. Um, wow. And so i able to do that. And then one day my wife and I decided to move to Los Angeles and I had a job uh, at a hardware store here for a little while. Um, it was called Baller hardware. It's kind of like a, if you wear like a Balor hardware shirt in Los Angeles, everybody will be like, dude, cool shirt, because everybody loves that hardware store. It's like <laughs> this cool place in Los Angeles, like as much as a hardware store can be cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's when, you know, we decided I should go full-time at the hard times. Like, so I told my boss, I was like, hey, you know, this weird thing is going to happen. And he's like, oh, if it doesn't work out, you can always have your job back here. So I was like, cool. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So, you know, you make yourself useful, and then, you know, you can always rely on some sort of work. But, yeah, for the past...
0: It's good when other people make that easy for you, too. Yeah. Yeah, people exactly. Be, people being just, good to each other because, of, you know, people can't just be slaving when they don't want to be. Right. want to get shit done.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the last four years, I've been doing the hard times full-time. It's... it's it's strange, you know. Sometimes it, yeah.
1: you get imposter it, syndrome.
2: <laughs> dude, I, I I live imposter. Do you really? You know, I, I, live, I was joking, yeah. but do you really? <laughs> dude, like, well, people will ask, like, "Hey, what do you do for work?" And like, I don't have a real job, you know. Like, I, like, like my my day to day. If I like broke it down for people, it's like I do a lot, you know. Like, there's a lot of. Yeah boring stuff that goes along with the hard times, you know, it's just like, all right, I have to make social graphics. I have to schedule some reposts. I have to uh, generate some content ideas for this and that. And just like, oh, uh, woof, you know? And then, (laughs) but then there's the fun side of like writing comedy and being collaborative with other people that are writing for us Mm. and uh, that sort of thing. But then, then it gets boring again where it's like, all right, they have submitted this draft to me. Now I need to edit it, copy edit it. And now I have to load it into a, a website and then type in seo and stuff like that and it's like oh this is the boring aspect of it but it's still much better than working at a, a hardware store or a warehouse like i wouldn't trade that Hell But yeah.
3: yeah
2: when people are asked like what do you do it's like i i don't know i don't know what i fucking do man you know <laughs> like yeah because like in la if you say you're a writer they're like what are you working on and it's like well i'm working on this thing that i created and it got popular somehow Um, and then most of the times they haven't heard of it because like they're just like a normal ass person that lives a normal life they don't have like (laughs) punk damage or anything like that Uh, um, and then I have to be like oh it's like the onion but not the
1: onion like but, we just rip the onion off uh, that's all but that's cooler all right. it's cooler <laughs> yeah i i, I hope uh, yeah you know it is <laughs>
0: with all that in retrospect what the, do you what do you Dude, your, the
1: like, onion is a riot though let me just throw that yeah. out there
0: right. <laughs> yeah that being said all in retrospect what are your like times at the hard times that are just like oh my god this is so worth it where it pays off like your your fucking absolute highest moments
2: um for me it is when like all right so say you know there, there's the stuff i already mentioned like getting to meet tony hawk getting to meet fat mike you know like that all happened because of the hard times you know like that yeah. didn't happen because like they're huge fans of the stand-up they saw me do at brainwash you know like that's not that's not it um it's because of the hard times but the most rewarding thing especially is like all right so say we do a headline about a band specific, like. There was a time where we did a newfound glory headline and then the guys from newfound glory shared it like we can't believe the hard times knows about us (laughs) you know and it's just like i can't believe the guy from newfound glory (laughs) is sharing the thing you know like uh you know like i can't believe you know about us uh that's wild yeah so when you get like those sorts of compliments or like when somebody that i've grown up listening to or respect turns around and be like i can't believe like Oh, we've made it the hard times has written an article about us be like no no we've made it because you know who we are uh, like uh, I mean just today like we got um, we did a headline about that boy genius man that has Phoebe Bridges in it and she you know she shared it on her Instagram it's like that's crazy you know uh, to me uh, but yeah it's uh, that's nuts it, man yeah, it's just that sort of I guess you know, you, you put in all like the time and hard work and then it gets recognized. You're know, like by the people that you you know, every, every, any person that reads the hard times I'm like super you know, thankful for it because I'm always like I'm surprised anybody still cares about anything ever. But you don't get any trolls.
0: You don't get any cynics out there coming out. Yeah.
2: Oh, we we do. I mean, (laughs) everyone does. (laughs) Yeah, it's the punk and hardcore world. There's like the people that are like, oh, this was funny ten years ago. Like we didn't exist ten years ago. Um, Given the
0: hard times, uh, hard times.
1: Jokes on you, motherfuckers.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or people that are like, oh, this 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 fucking sucks. You know, whatever. (laughs) Like, uh, you know whatever I don't love everything on the internet either but like uh, there there are other people that will um, if we do like an anti-cop headline we'll get a lot of engagement on it and people will comment like it'll bring up like the right wingers oh who are all of a sudden like defending cops in the comments oh God. and then somebody will point it out and be like this is a joke and they'll be like um, satire is supposed to be funny you know and it's just like, <laughs> Shut up, loser get the hell out of here nobody likes you like go uh, yeah, I don't know, go dude. On, I,
1: go jump in front of a cop car, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I have fucking belly laughed at you guys' articles and fucking they're wonderful. <laughs> and even during like even during like the whole COVID thing, man. Like, and I'm not even just saying this because you're on the show. I I very much look uh forward to reading your things during that whole time, and you know even now too.
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, I appreciate that uh, because I mean, it's dude. All the what's different writers allowed me to do this.
1: Yeah, man. All the writers you guys have contributing too. Like, you guys, how do you go about picking your articles? Like, how do you go about picking like who gets written?
2: Yeah. So we kind of um, when my co-founder Matt thank him, and I kinda kind of started this, like we had like a Facebook pitch group where like we had a couple of our friends in there that would be like, Hey, if you think of a headline idea, like throw it in here. And then like, after like the first month or two of the hard times being around, we realized like people were reading this and people would reach out to us and be like, Hey, how can I write a headline for you guys? And so then we were adding these people into the pitch group. And then like, we had to figure out a system of like, instead of reading, you know, hundreds of pitches a day, like, how are we going to figure out like what's good? So like we developed this system where started out with Facebook Um, in the private group that if you pitched a headline you know you pitched it but everybody else in the group like in theory will read whatever everybody else is pitching so if they think it's a funny headline just hit the like button and then we would just look over at the end of the week which headlines got the most likes in the group you know so if something had like 13 likes out of a group that only has 45 people in it they're like oh hey all right, let's look at this one and then we read the headline break it down and be like is this worth publishing and then we would go from there. And then, you know, maybe something was super popular, but it's like, Oh, the onion actually did a very similar headline to this. So we can't run it. It We'll look like we're stealing jokes. So (laughs) we can't do this one. So we have like the semi-democratic process of all the contributors in theory can kind of vote on what they think is funny. That will give us as editors our you know, kind of, here's the headlines we're going to look at at the end of the week. And then we'll make our decisions based on the feedback and our own like, have we done this joke before? Has have we seen this joke before? And or is this an original take we should run with? Uh, so that's that's how we try to do it.
1: No kidding! Wow, have you guys seen any repeats?
2: Oh, all of I mean, every week <laughs> we have to. I'll have to like say to somebody like, "Hey, this got this was very popular in the group, but we actually ran a nearly identical headline to this two years ago." And I'll show them the link and like, "Oh, damn! I didn't even realize that happened." But wow. I mean, if I look at um, how many this isn't exactly accurate uh, but I can see how many articles we've posted in the last, since we've existed 2014 um, there are currently 11,264 articles published on the Hard Times site right now 11k 11, 11 11 okay. since
1: 2014 yeah. wow so
2: like let that sink in like how much dude. that actually like I haven't really thought about it. that's a fucking that's lot. a fuck load yeah and so all,
1: in nine all, years like
2: yeah I'll, I'll eleven thousand two hundred sixty-four seemingly original like or at least tried to be original takes and jokes that's 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 not easy to do no that's definitely not fuck. that's awesome
1: dude I know you guys have used Hanson native uh Dickie stock too
2: yeah, Yeah. He, he yeah. a couple for us. Um, yeah, that dude is my, a
3: riot.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, one of my favorites of his... Um, hold on. I saw him in the recent
1: can... Dropkick Murphys video. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: That's just, just nuts. That's oh. a riot. <laughs> hold on. Let me see if I can bring this up. There's one early headline that he wrote that I thought is super funny. Um, okay, yeah. Repairman from Money for Nothing video passes away after a year-long battle with brain cancer. Uh, Just that that, uh, CGI Repairman from the 80s Money for Nothing video uh, (laughs) dying of brain cancer. Just so funny to me. Like Such a tragic end to this CGI uh, character. Um, But yeah, he's he's had uh, quite a few. Uh, I can actually see how many he's written for us. Yeah, 15 articles. Over, no shit. Yeah. On top um, of those
0: stats, I'd be looking at those all day too. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> Yo, you guys really uh, do your own due diligence. I didn't mean to head you off. What were you going to say? Oh,
2: there's actually a headline in here that's very uh, relatable to you, Kevin. New NoFX album to be given to younger brother eventually. Uh, so that's
1: uh, I'm the younger Dickie I'm, I'm the younger cousin in that. In that. Yeah. <laughs> That is funny, man. When was, did that already come out?
2: Yeah, that one uh, ran a little while ago. That might have been, oh, yeah, that was in 2021. We might have actually ran that to kind of be a weekend at, oh, it was from their new singles album. It was kind of like a promotional uh, article that we ran. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Dickie's so funny. Uh, He's just uh, his brain works in a different way, you know? Like he's funny in a way that I'm not sure how that works, you know? And you guys... He's
1: very dude, both you guys are funny in your own right, man. Like, I really... I've I've gone down a rabbit hole of seeing uh, your stand-up comedy, uh, different YouTube clips that I could catch, like, long before this interview. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, dude, I, I just... It didn't shock me that you got into stand-up comedy because you've always been a really funny naturally funny guy you've always been very sarcastic but honest and and
2: uh yeah get you in trouble sometimes you know that's uh... that's okay So yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I when I when I started stand-up there was like you know I had mentioned those podcasts I was to, do but then there, there was like a streak of time like before I started doing stand-up where I was like telling somebody a story and they were like you should do stand-up I was like uh, you know like wh- what you know, like sure. uh, may- may- maybe I should but stand up is man it's tough it's tough I and uh, although I stand up in 2023 is weird because you have to like do these weird social clips that you put on Instagram and people are getting popular off of stuff that's like uh, what's the joke you know like wh- wh- yeah you know, like do they just like look at somebody in the crowd and be like this guy looks like a bozo and they're like I'm here with my mom and then they'll be like, that will be like a viral clip. And you're like, what? You know, like, I'm well, what I'm just happened?
0: I'm glad I don't fuck with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, you know what's a pretty brilliant show, in my opinion, is uh, the whole... Have you ever watched Kill Tony?
2: Um, no. Tony I,
1: Hinchcliffe.
2: I know... He was popular when I... First moved to los angeles and i was on a stand-up show with him my first stand-up show in la oh wow and he he bombed so hard (laughs) i it was (laughs) so such an incredible bomb from a guy that went up there (laughs) like with this attitude of like i'm gonna crush and then fucking just everybody hated him and he just like walked out of there without saying anything to anybody and that kind of just put like a a dirty taste in my mouth about like who this guy is and then it came out we had that little bit of a racist rant that he went on and kind of oh uh, no did he yeah it it, it happened in austin a couple years back i think he's i think he's back from it but it, it was not pretty uh it was not pretty
1: oh shit
2: yeah, it was the anti Asian racist rant, and it was like, ooh, oh. ooh, oh, yeah, boy. not not good. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the Kill Tony showed that the premise of what they did, I always, I did find interesting. But I didn't have, I, I wouldn't have the balls to do that, you know. Like I was like, now, like I had a couple friends that would line up be on that show. Like, no, thanks, uh, not not gonna go there.
1: Sure, sure. I I, I uh, kind of started paying attention to that when they had Tim Dillon on because I like Tim Dillon a lot. I think he's he's a riot.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's that, that dude is another one of those guys that just is uh, a different breed. Yeah, uh, of, of, of what he does.
1: Yeah, he's on a whole other level.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask if there's anybody you're listening to nowadays. Uh, you know, not
2: really. Were you ever a fan of Mitch Hedberg as much as anybody that caught his like you know comedy central presents was like but um it's one of those things like yeah, i You know how there's certain bands you listen to, like we were talking about Botch earlier, but then you listen to the rip-offs so much that you're just like, you go to the original, you're like, oh, it doesn't hit as hard. Like, I felt like I was exposed to so many Mitch Hedberg rip-offs before I got to Mitch Hedberg. That That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. It kind of dulled, but what he did was obviously... you know, he was the best at that one liner. Uh,
1: James Perry got me to him years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I feel that, that kind of surprised me. I, didn't, I wouldn't picture James as a huge uh, Hedberg fan.
1: Yeah, he was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say still is. But so, Hedberg is, is what Poison the Well is to metalcore, <laughs> is, what, is what Hedberg <laughs> is to comedy. Yeah,
3: exactly. That,
0: that's, that's not, not a bad analogy. Corrective. Yeah,
1: <laughs> okay. Dude, dude, so like right now with the hard times, how many subscribers do you guys have? Uh,
2: I don't know anybody. I
1: don't know anybody around here that doesn't know about it.
2: Instagram, I I think we're at like seven hundred thousand followers. Wow. No. uh, Twitter. Twitter's like one hundred twenty thousand, which is like our. I'm. I've never been a Twitter fan, so I've never really like. It's a fucking. The Twitter beast. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, like, all the people that follow us on Twitter, like, they get the bare minimum, you know? Like, we – uh and then Facebook, which is a dead thing. Like, we have over 350,000, but um wow. Instagram's kind of where we focus most of our attention.
1: Oh, okay. I, and where are you at with Instagram? Sorry. You might have already said it. Oh, <laughs>
2: uh, over 700,000. I think we're at 705,000. Uh, wow. So – yeah, want to want to get to that cool million uh within sure. the next couple of years. Uh, you know, that would be a nice milestone.
1: I dude, 700k, that's a fucking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: still blown away by 11k
1: articles.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm actually surprised by that too. Like yeah. that's uh, I I've, I actually never looked at that and thought about it. Um Yeah, that's that's an enormous number. You need a uh, plaque.
1: Yeah, you man. need a plaque. Yeah, you do. That's yeah. worth. That's worthy. <laughs> Dude, the only reason why I go on Facebook is for like three reasons. I go on there to like plug a show that our band is playing. Um, I'll go on there. I, I, I have this thing every day where I wish everybody on the happy birthday list because you can see like whose birthday it is yeah. that you're friends with. I say every. I say happy birthday to everybody, and uh, in hard times fucking articles
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's important you gotta you gotta stay connected even if the birthday you wish them a happy birthday didn't like, this person die in 2016 like, oh, I it happens oh it happens <laughs> oh that's that's a thing all right a quick hard times um uh, thing that happens sometimes uh, this has happened with stock photos that like we legally legally download off of like stock websites like shutterstock and this has also happened with people that have volunteered to have their photo used like we meet them at a festival they say they're huge fans like hey well like let's use you in an article sometime like you can be the you can be the guitarist in this thing (laughs) and they're like oh yeah that'd be great and so we'll run that article and then they'll be psyched and then, like, we'll repost it a year later, and we'll get like comments like, "You guys are monsters." Like, wait, what happened? And then we'll get DMs, and people will be like, "This kid's grandmother hasn't stopped crying." And be like, what happened? And be like, he died of cancer three no. months ago, and you guys are posting this? And we are like, oh, "We first off, we met this guy in passing one time, you know, like, and he was psyched. He
1: was honored.
2: Yeah." uh and like, and sorry that we didn't keep up with every random person that we met to know, to, to see how they're doing. Yeah. But we just reposted this, um, you know, like we didn't. We'll change the photo, but like I've had people message me like, "You're the worst people or person I've ever met in my fucking life, and like, Why? Why? <laughs> First off, tell me why. Like I need to know, and then I'll explain to you why you're wrong. Uh,
1: yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I did that with my sister uh, not that long ago. <laughs> Over- what,
2: explain to her why I'm the worst person or not the worst person?
1: No, no, no. Explain to them why me wishing one of her dead friends happy birthday is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, dude, I, we have so many friends that have passed away, and when their birthdays pop up, I wish them a happy birthday,
2: you know? Yeah. My sister, yeah. My sister like, message. Immune from the heroin epidemic, you know? Like, yeah, you know, sure. And a lot of people. Dude,
1: suicide, heroin, fucking... Yeah, it's been wild. Yeah. And, you know, I don't look at it like a bad thing when I wish someone who passed a happy birthday.
2: Yeah, they were still born on that day. You know, it's, yeah. you, know, you didn't you didn't go in there pants and be like, hey, happy you died on this day. You're not know, a CNL. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all good intentions. You know, it's so funny because yeah. I see
1: so many people posting all the time, like, thank you for all the birthday wishes. You don't know how much that meant to me. And it's like, right. awesome. Fucking, that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: But then again, imagine celebrating Gigi Allen's death day.
1: They do. They do? Yeah, Gigi Allen fans? Oh, yeah, we were talking about <laughs> it.
0: We were talking about it last episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. They probably shit on it.
1: <laughs> Literally.
2: Uh, that was, that was, that's a Hard Times article that cut us in trouble. Let me uh, pull oh. this up real Oh, <laughs> oh shit. what was it, please? Um, <laughs> so, God didn't- uh, This was. This is an older one. Um, a band and one. People, people will like comment on it or like there was – when we first ran it, people were like his stuff. Even mentioning Gigi Allen sometimes um, just triggers people and like, he was a terrible person. Like, yeah, we're not celebrating it. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're doing this yeah. again. Uh, headline was gg G. allen's grave desecrated with flowers comma candles you know so the <laughs> <whole> thing... <laughs> is that the fact somebody did nice thing for him desecrated his grave right and, like, the the article the characters are being like i came here to shit all over his grave and some apple <laughs> has a nice candle you know like, um and people like got mad at that and then they're like they like fact checked it and be like that's not what his actual tombstone looks like it actually got removed and like. We know, but yeah. we can't put a blank plot of this. <laughs> just, just pretend you're not so in the know, you know, like yeah. for one second. You don't have to prove how much you fucking know about Gigi Allen, you loser. Just, yeah. just let, let there be a tombstone uh, that we Photoshop that has some flowers and candles on it. Just fucking Excellent.
0: <laughs> Imagine wow. Imagine like the Hard Times or The Onion or some other satirical website getting on someone's normal feed. And they'll just buy the headline right away without reading where it's from because it's in little text below it.
2: Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Those poor souls.
2: That that does happen. A lot of people um, will take what we do at face value, even if it's what we think is something ridiculous. Yeah. I forget that people uh, like to believe what they see on the internet. You know, like they, that's what has warped an entire generation of people to believe. Um, what's printed on the internet is news, you know, instead of looking at, like, what the source is, and like, oh, well, the American Patriot uh, says that this is true, like, oh, n- n- what publication is that? Have uh, They've existed since 20- 2021, and uh, their their logo is a Blue Lives Matter flag? You know, like, get out of here. It's not a reputable news source, fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> and then now more than ever, you know, it can just be faked straight up. And there's deep fakes. There's all, all yep. kinds of AI art. Like, yeah. you don't know what's real. So fucking. Yeah. Then they're coming down on the, the people that are trying to do comedy or like, you know, trying to talk <laughs> about certain shit, making light of our fucking dark lives. You know, when yeah. you actually look out the window. And yeah. Um,
2: it, it, it's a weird time. Uh, and are you dealing with Everybody is like, like too opinionated.
0: Are you dealing with censorship over there? Like a little bit, right?
2: So there's like a, you know, there's kind of different ideas on what censorship is. Like some people will be like, oh, I'm being censored for saying something that's fucking bullshit. It's like, I I don't know if you guys will relate to this, but like, you know, you grow up in Massachusetts, especially and you know, there's the talk shit get hit, you know, sort of mentality right, where it's just like, no, no, what you said was something that's bullshit, and now I'm gonna fucking make you pay for it. You know, that's not censorship. Like, you fucking did something bullshit, and now here's my rebuttal, and it's a little punch to the breadbasket there, uh, (laughs) chief. Um, There's, like, that sort of thing that people call censorship. It's like, oh, well, I should be allowed to say it. It's like, well, if you're going out and saying something that's so blatantly false and just dumb and doesn't have any sort of... uh, Redeeming social value, then what you're just doing is being a liar and a troll and fuck you. And that's um,
0: that's a good point. And censoring stuff gets rid of that because, like, if someone comes up with a bad idea, there's people with heads on their shoulders that can actually point out that bad idea and be like, don't fucking listen to that asshole. If there's censorship, yeah, absolutely. then that dude doesn't have a fucking, you know, Voice. We'll, we'll never know. We'll never know right. who the fucking idiots are. Yeah.
2: Right. So, yeah, there's. So, I. I there's those people that will cry censorship on just being terrible people. It's like, no, you're, you just shouldn't, you shouldn't have access to the internet. And you shouldn't be able to express your opinions. 20 years ago, you wouldn't have this access because it just didn't exist and you don't deserve it. Um, and then there's the people that like, and then there's the algorithmic censorship, which the hard times does deal with from time to time. It's like, so say, like we no longer have that Facebook pitch group. I mentioned, we moved over to, uh, a platform called slack because when we were on facebook if somebody pitched a headline that was making fun of screwdriver or <laughs> like var- then we were getting notifications <laughs> be like your private group is spreading hate speech oh my like, god n- like no it's not like we meant we were making fun of screwdriver yeah um and you <laughs> just <laughs> read keywords and don't understand context. Like this is not a pro-screwdriver publication. Uh, so there is that sort of censorship that we deal with where what we do is not understood by algorithms. Like we've been in Facebook jail before, which is where they limit your reach and scope. And we're still we're still very highly throttled thanks to some of the articles we published. But the one that really did it to us was um, when Derek Chauvin was convicted of the murder of George Floyd when he was rightfully um, convicted of murder. That happened mm. on April 20th, which is Hitler's birthday. Yeah. So we ran, so we ran an article, and I, <laughs> I wrote I wrote this headline that we ran, and it said Chauvin upset he isn't able to properly celebrate Hitler's birthday thanks to guilty verdict. So the whole thing was like he's so upset. About him being found guilty, that he couldn't celebrate his good buddy Hitler's birthday,
1: and they censored you for that.
2: They, there's a lot in there of keywords. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, yes. like, yeah, Derek Chauvin, Hitler, birthday. You know, like celebrate Hitler's birthday. Those three words, celebrate Hitler's birthday, instantly got us like put in Facebook jail. And it was just like, ah, damn. And it, the people that got it, got it, but. <laughs> the the robots that moderate that stuff that are just looking at keywords uh, didn't. And then you put in an appeal and it might be read by a human that doesn't have any sense of humor or anything like that. And maybe they're like a person whose English is a second language. A lot of the moderators for social media platforms, they often outsource those. So you'll have some guy in Malaysia that doesn't really speak English and understand what satire would be and be like, oh, well, by the letter of the law, this is it and then they're also the next thing they look at is like you know some guy getting his head cut off in a video and be like oh well my life is ruined because i had to just watch this video that got uploaded and now that i'm traumatized for the rest of the day uh so <sighs> they they have tough jobs because the filth that is put on the internet but at the same time sometimes they just don't understand what's being put out there
1: yeah exactly That's right. i say let it fly man <laughs> yeah. let it be as dirty as the
2: real world yeah you know there there is definitely in an argument for that and it goes back to what i had mentioned earlier there was like a beautiful time on the internet where things just you didn't have to worry about it like mm. everything wasn't as politicized it was just like yeah we all hate the government man you yeah know? now it's like yeah uh, <laughs> Now now there's this whole weird thing of like I love cops, but I hate the government. Like, yeah. Wait, hold on. What's cops going are on? the government, bro? Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: oh, dude. I couldn't agree more, it, man. In my experience,
0: <laughs> you know, instead of serving and protecting the people, they've been serving and protecting property.
2: And yeah. you know, taking shows. Basketball court when he's just trying to hit some lights. Yeah, no you know? shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a sh- and they all, yeah. and they, and the police stations outsourced from other towns. So all these, you know, officers aren't like residents of the own of the town that they're serving. So they're not connected to the people at all. So it's like you know, it's all designed against
1: the people. The people.
2: <laughs> yeah, when you have people that don't come from the town that don't have relationships, then all of a sudden everybody everybody seems like an enemy and then they're just like they're like animals to you and then just helps you if you're a cop dehumanize the people you're supposed to be serving and protecting but instead you're just like oh I mean, even in Hanson, you know, back in the day where it's like you get kicked out by the same cops every day, and you'd be like, ah, oh, it's Officer O'Brien. You know? <laughs> and he's like, like, all right, boys, move along. You know? And just like, ah, fuck you, dude. And he's like, yeah, fuck you too. You know? And that's like the thing. That's just like what would happen. But now it, it's, it's, yeah, it's just different. And it's certainly worse in the cities too, where, uh, you know, like Los Angeles, a lot of people, cops here don't live in los angeles they live in the suburbs you know and then they they come in here and they
3: uh, LAPD. treat the
2: homeless population like shit you know they take yeah. all their stuff they uh, you know do they really they don't put them in any oh there's so many sweeps of homeless camps where they just bring a dump truck <sighs> uh, or a garbage truck throw all their shit in there and then they're like yeah you have nowhere to be but you can't be here and it's like well what the fuck okay just the a tent they sleep in you know like so now they need what, what are they going to do now you know they have nowhere to go it's just it's disgusting um yeah that what, is disgusting you know, how they treat people because I, mean, I, I i i've recently realized this more than ever you know whatever your views on homeless people are you know like yeah you can be like oh they're drug addicts whatever you're probably wrong um yeah I, I, every person that you know is so much closer to being homeless yeah. than they are to being wealthy you know True like, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah like i'm i'm two paychecks away from th- that don't go through from being on the streets you know like how two thousand percent yeah and everybody treats it like oh well i'm so much better than that it's like no you're not like if you're one unfortunate event, you're one hospital bill you're one whatever away from that being your reality and you having to survive in this harsh thing in a world that wants to forget you. And it's it's, it's shit.
0: The literal hard times.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. you
2: know, that's the uplifting part of the podcast, you know? Like, it's uh, <laughs> the, the fun, good time, boys.
1: It's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a very shaky ground we're living on. Uh, it's uh, I, pff, to say it's fucked up is an understatement.
2: Well, you know, what, I, I, as a kid, I, I didn't realize this, but I mean, I'm sure Kevin, you might remember. My dad used to drive around in a hearse uh, around. <laughs> you yeah. he he might have seen that. But yep. I realized, like, so my dad always lived in various places. Like, oh, my dad was homeless for most of my life, but he would just sleep in like a trailer in the back of his my grandfather's place. Or he'd sleep in a trailer outside of South Shore Boxing in Whitman. I was like, oh, yeah, that's where homeless people That's do. where we you know? are. That's
1: where we are right now. <laughs>
2: Wait, are, are you in the trailer at South Shore Boxing? No, <laughs> we are next
1: to the trailer.
2: <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Oh, yeah, where in Whitman are you? Are you we're, by South Shore Boxing?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're next to South Shore Boxing. We're in the same building. Sure. No
2: shit. Sure. On the, the carpet play side of it, or on the opposite side of it. Uh, the
1: carpet play side. We're we're okay. up in the studio. So like Hanson Priority, uh, basically moved over to Whitman, and now it's Priority in right. Whitman, in the okay. big brick um, building. Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, I, my dad used to live in the back room of social Boxing when my brother and I were kids. Did he box? So sti- yeah, he was a he was a he had uh, a bit yeah um and his but his best friend cliff owned the place i think he still does you know, yep, maybe, yep you know josh Phippen, yeah
1: right? absolutely yep
2: but um yeah so my dad's best friend for their entire life was cliff and my dad so my dad would live there when he didn't have anywhere else uh and so my brother and i would stay there and we'd sleep in the ring when we'd stay with him which as kids was cool but your now brother so neck it, I realize it's disgusting yes uh yeah. you know sleeping in a a boxing ring like with, with spits, not blood whatever else is there uh, sure. but we had a lot of fun getting to getting to stay there when we did um but yeah uh um yeah it's just uh one of the things like oh yeah was almost the entire time um you, you would just crash at places and uh, occasionally he would stay where, where that was but uh, the time where he stayed in south shore boxing but those were decent times because uh, you got to have a boxing ring. And that's when right around the time that they were training Peter McNeely to fight uh, Mike Tyson on yeah. Mike Tyson's fight coming out of jail. So mm. uh, there's a weird connection of uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Homer fights Dredderick Tatum. Yes. The Simpsons episode <laughs> that, like, is inspired by yeah. some weird part of my childhood. You know, like that's this fucking Little sliver. That's uh, just like, oh yeah, that's. Cool. Uh, I slept in the ring that, like, Homer is Peter McNeely. Moe yeah. is Cliff Fippen. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. it's,
3: uh, no, uh, this
0: this is your world, and we're just fucking living in
3: it, man. Yeah, hey, <laughs>
1: say, you know? Dude, yeah, that's interesting. I actually wanted to try and get Peter McNeely on here for that same reason that he fought, like, a couple of doors over. <laughs> trained here I
2: remember the big sign like home of hurricane peter mcneely you know yeah i don't know where that sign is now but yeah dude that's um, a good
1: question i'd like to know where that sign is now
2: <laughs> yeah uh I'd, I'd take that thing
1: no but, shit um, if i can get uh, it you're having it man <laughs> oh thanks
2: uh, yeah yeah just just head on over josh is probably sleeping in the back of that place right now yep right, my dad's old room so just uh, tell josh uh he always calls me billy so say billy conway needs the, the thing and uh, then just send it to my place in los angeles
1: they're good souls over there man
2: yeah i mean that's always been a great guy and a great friend to the family so yeah you know, like when my dad died like uh at his wake you know i don't know if you've ever had somebody like that like close to you but like die but when you're at the wake you like you're just sitting there like hoping it to be over and it's trying to make that catatonic state of like yeah not reacting to anything yeah. but when cliff came up and he was crying i was like oh shit the toughest guy in the world that i know Ugh. is affected by this now this hurts uh yeah and i was like it's like seeing those people and they're like oh you're you're the iron man like you don't have emotions you know and it's like oh crap uh yeah this Rea- that,
1: reality reality man.
2: yeah yeah absolutely. yeah for
1: sure absolutely man yeah, that's wild. I did have a similar reaction to when my dad died. Mm-hmm. Just just uh, wanted it to be over, and certain people would come up and show their emotions and be like, fuck, this dude's hard as nails. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. cry, too.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. You're just like, you got to move on, man. I can't be up here crying for every fucking person. Keep going, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude. Why do,
2: why do we do this thing? Why do I have to stand here? <laughs>
1: yeah, man. Shit. Well, we're a part of the, what, the DDC? Dead Dad Club? Yeah,
2: Dead Dad Crew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dead
1: Dad Club. Yeah. Either way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Pat Flynn of uh, Have Heart, also part of that. I talked to him on an old podcast. He's part of the Dead Dad Club. So is uh, that
1: actually initials that people have talked about? Because I, I thought yeah. I coined that, like, over 10 years ago. I guess not.
2: I, I think it, it comes down to parallel kind stuff. Of like, you know it's, uh, you yeah. know, it's just one of those things. It was a good there's a good uh what do I call that uh, it's got the same that the thing. uh, uh who cares I can't yeah know, uh, yeah
0: but how what uh what's up with half heart how's he
2: oh uh i i, don't, I only talked to him once on a podcast uh you know and, and, dad was dead. Uh, and that's <laughs> some of the lyrical themes so he was part of the Dead, Dude, dead Club. they yeah. left
1: their fucking mark man yeah, yeah it's
2: true for sure.
1: I love Have Hearts stuff. They're fucking, yeah, they're really good. Another talented fucking Massachusetts band right there. I mean,
2: there was a a time in those early 2000s where everybody was, was just so much like, I mean, American Nightmare, your Have Hearts. Yeah. Fans yes. that have stood the test of time.
1: Oh, yes. my God. Yeah, one of my favorite lines is from an American Nightmare song. I won't quote it. I just. <laughs> oh, shit. No, that dude is a lyricist, man.
2: Yeah, sing, sing it like he does on the album. Just go go ahead.
1: <laughs> I would have to, yeah. That, that's why I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, those that do, that was, uh, I feel like we were lucky to grow up in the time that we grew up in with the people that we knew. It was, uh, I feel like that was truly a special generation
2: of people. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and just so many good shows that you get, here that were like bands like like joe barrett's and scott smith's bands you know like seeing terminally or aborted ghosts or yeah something like that. yeah it's
1: like hell like, like, yeah dude how funny is it that like I, not funny but i mean how cool is it that a lot of those bands were influential to the you know the later like hardcore and punk movement they were all very influential to what ended up happening
2: yeah, no, one hundred percent. yeah, it's uh, oh, you know, I was wanted to ask you because you would definitely know more about this. I was recently on another podcast where we talked a lot about priority music. Oh boy. Um what
1: I was I the security guard there and I got fired yeah. for a very particular reason. Keep going.
2: <laughs> I had heard a rumor that somebody like found a lot of pornography oh, in like the corner of the place uh, uh, had here,
1: here we go true or
2: false true was or false?
1: true was it me yeah, okay was it me
2: uh maybe it was or maybe i had heard it from scott who heard it from you it, or dude it that's... might have been
1: someone else too it, I, yeah there was a few of us that stumbled across some gross shit okay all
2: right um that makes sense um uh because yeah i had heard it but i had never seen it uh or, or anything like that so i must have you said you worked security there, so that makes yeah. sense that you would be, uh, <laughs> you know, clowning around. You find some VHS tapes. You say, "All right, what's on this?" And all of a sudden, your your retinas are burned. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. I didn't watch oh, any of the VHS. Sure, tapes. sure. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, <laughs> I promise. Didn't watch I any promise. of the tapes. Well, I got. I did get hired to be the security, and it was. Um, I was a wily kid, you know. Like I didn't. I didn't have much fear. There was a lot of people that owed Luke money and I, w- I wasn't scared of them. <laughs> um, but while I was working there, there was like a, there was a crime scene. Uh, like I, and I took it, I didn't take it seriously at all. There was like this caution tape over Gary Fisher's office, you know, over Gary Fisher's, he's dead now. That's the only reason why I'm talking about it. But over his office door, there was like this crime scene tape and uh, I was running security at the time. And I'm like, this is a fucking, I want to go in that room so bad. And uh, I had some of my friends from Rockland when I was living in the Rockland Zoo, as they affectionately called it.
2: Right, of course, yes. Yeah,
1: and we, uh, I was like, dude, fucking Gary Fisher, man. Like, his office, like, it's all taped up right now. And I just want to go in there. We went in there. And um, we ended up, I yeah, I was like, pulling over like i was pulling open like the different file cabinets and shit i found some really disturbing polaroids and uh cool. a pair of little girl roller skates all this different shit in that office Not no Not it was good. horrible it was horrible and i don't i was just a kid and your I'm,
2: fingerprints are all over i do honestly
1: that. like yeah and i and i was just a fucking idiot i just thought it would be a riot if like we just went in there and like fucking check this place out you know and then Lou called me, like, I don't know, a couple days later. And he's like, Kevin, I got to let you go. I'm like, why? He's like, because you just fucking, like, trampled upon a crime scene. <laughs> What's like, the big deal? What are you talking about? He's like, that big fucking door with the caution tape over it. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I thought
0: it was some corny band
1: he's like yeah you're on camera you went in there and you know you you can't go in there and I was like oh I'm sorry
2: that Halloween decorations uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's April
1: Hon- Yeah, honestly dude I didn't take it serious because like something like that like happening to you when you're like 20 years old it's surreal like you don't take it seriously you're working in this place 24 7 there's this door with tape in front of it you're like what the fuck that tape I'm going in there And we went in there, and it was a bad idea.
2: (laughs) There was also—I mean—you'd be able to speak to this, and I'm sure this is urban legend. But I mean, growing (laughs) up in Hanson, people make up stories, and obviously, Camp Kawani. Camp Kawani was haunted, if that's what you're asking. I, oh, I heard a story that somebody was fishing there one day and stepped inside of a uh, human rib, rib cage, cage and they pulled out a skeleton or something like that. From yeah. Any truth to the ribcage story? Yeah, or somebody. Urban legend?
1: I don't know what year it was. I think it might have even been before I was born. But yeah, it was a rib cage pulled out of that pond. Oh,
2: sure. I cannot sure. believe that one is true. Yeah, I know that was true. Money that money, that was a just kids making it up don't go to camp kwani it's haunted their skeletons uh, sure and, yeah you
1: know. as far as i know bill that was true i i could be wrong i could have been misled by that it might be an urban myth that it's you know uh as far as i know yeah somebody did step in a rib cage in that pond
2: Crazy. Uh, the, the town we grew up in man it's uh oh dude it's a, wild a strange place
1: Dude, that whole thing with uh, Gary Fisher and Priority Music, he was trying to recruit me and a couple of our friends when we were younger into a fucking porno. Well, I, I couldn't have been older than 13 oh, cool. years old. Yeah. like oh, that's nice. That's I was like, good. sweet. You, you think I'm fucking, <laughs> you think I'm spicy enough to be wow. a porno? <laughs> yeah, no, that dude is a super fucking creep, man. And then his, like, uh, his security guard, Kevin, his name was Kevin. We call them Soccer Socks. Do you remember that dude at all? He committed suicide there. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, I heard, I remember hearing about that. Uh, yeah. yeah man. the halls of that place. But all right, imagine this. Oh, like, he had
1: body. He had mason jars like with body parts in them. Like, yeah, I know. Go ahead. Fucking...
2: So,
1: I know more yeah, than I should.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, thinking about that, like, all right. So you know, my brother was always at Priority Music because you know he's getting into playing. Uh, you know, base or whatever. I wanted 12. to talk to you about
1: yeah. Nick. What view from an airplane, yeah. right? Yeah
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh you know, thinking like, all right, so if, if that guy approached my brother, which I don't believe he ever did, and then like my <sighs> dad found out about it, like the, my dad would have went to jail for murder. You know, yeah, like he would have sure. been like, Oh, and my dad it's a guy. It's like I have nothing to lose. I live in a fucking trailer, you know. Like I don't, I don't give a shit. Um, I, I probably have some sort of brain damage from repeated punches to the head from boxing and all the other dumb bar fights I've been in. Would have killed the guy, you yeah, know. Like yeah. well, you want to do what with my son? Like you're fucking dead, yeah. you know. Like the, just the stupidity of these people to the think that they get away with these things, but then they they did get away with it for the most part. Then you know sure. their bodyguards kill themselves and. They, yeah, they get fucking busted, but piece dude, of
1: the shit. My dad would have done the same thing. My dad grew up; he was a street guy growing up, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he he kind of went to Hanson to like just like live a quiet life, and you know raised the our family. Ones of Camp Kawani. Yeah, man. Yeah, he was lucky to get that job in like the '80s, and um, all those ghosts. Yeah, you're lucky, it, dude. It was an interesting place <laughs> for sure, man. But um, yeah, he would have done the same thing. Um, that, that whole thing with the security guy, man, he was, he, his whole plan was to blackmail, uh, Gary Fisher and Gary Fisher was dying from complications due to diabetes. And he was like on his deathbed, which fucking good. But, um, yeah, so that dude, he had a Mason jars with like the, I don't know how many probably, I don't, I, I have no idea how many, but he had body parts from like a prostitute and a few other people that disappeared a long time ago. And when he, yeah, when he committed suicide, he, he decided he ate a bunch of pills and he decided, well, after he digested them that he didn't want to die. So he called 911 himself and was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to die. I just try to commit suicide. I, you know, and clearly he was torn between like, you know, fucking turning this shit in and killing himself. When the paramedics got there, he, it was too late. He died, and there was these mason jars with fucking body parts in them. Wild. Wild. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't uh, even be talking about this. I have no idea. but I, yeah, I mean, everybody, in, everybody involved is dead. I don't <laughs> right, right.
2: And, you know, I, here's, here's what you get away with. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, so, Ex- I mean, I, dude, yeah. I should have
1: said allegedly like a thousand times. So, allegedly, yes. time a thousand. <laughs>
2: yeah, all, all of that was alleged. Hey, we're, we're just some guys. We're chopping it yeah, up. You know, none of, this, <laughs> none of this is true. Uh, I'm not even from it. Not even from Hanson. For sure.
1: Know, like, yeah, once.
2: no. I, yeah. I visited there once. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I traveled through on my way to the Cape one time, right. but you uh, know, yeah, drove down Route 58 the entire time but yeah now there's a lot hey, of yeah.
1: crazy history around that area around hanson a- any town really but like you know you grew up in a town you know all this shit
2: <laughs> my, my biggest thing i do in los Angeles is when somebody asked me like you oh, know you know i uh i lived in the town the chocolate chip cookie was uh invented until, <laughs> and they just family was their minds you know like what toll house, like, yeah <laughs> Like, well, let me tell you, let me tell you the real true story of the chocolate chip cookie real quick.
1: <laughs> That's a riot. And saplers. Dude, I mean, I mean, the history in L.A., though, like, holy fuck. Imagine if we grew up in L.A. and knew the fucking history of that place.
0: <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to know West Coast. It would Earth be a lot of allegedlies.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> i feel like there's like two outcomes so like if you grow up in los angeles you're either super fucked up or you're just like super connected and you just get rich by um you know uh default you know like that's sure. uh, <laughs> at least in certain parts of la la is so huge that's just like you know people have like a stereotype of it like i live in a very working class like hispanic neighborhood and uh People like, well, they are. Oh, you see any celebrities? Like, never, there's none here, you know. Like, I, I mean, I, I saw one of the guys from The Walking Dead one time, uh, but that was about it. What about um, like Danny Trejo? <laughs> uh, his son follows the hard times, which I was like psyched ah, about. I was like, that's uh, awesome, but I was like, yeah, get your dad to follow it, loser. I don't <laughs> care about his offspring.
1: Um, he was in Monk, yeah. Danny Trejo had a cameo in Monk, and I. He has a cameo in everything. <laughs> yeah, I know he
2: does. <laughs> you
3: have to have
2: Trejo, and if you have a, a serialized show or multiple episodes, Trejo has to be in there at some point. You know, you just need some Trejo. Machete uh, was,
0: uh, it was a cameo. It was just a big Danny Trejo cameo.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's got a a place in Los Angeles called Trejo's Donuts.
1: No, I love it. <laughs> Donuts it's on, the,
2: it's on the street. That Eddie Murphy got busted for picking up that prostitute like multiple years ago, like uh where he was arrested, like uh and before it was Trejo's Donuts, apparently it was a place that like when cops would do sweeps, all the prostitutes would go into this store and just like buy something just to like be like, <laughs> you know, no, we're not we're not out hooking, you I'm know. Just, I'm just um, a local. <laughs> just this. Yeah. I'm just getting a donut. But now it's Trejo's Donuts in the area is like. Fucking moderately ho. cleaned up' uh, you know, one as many not <laughs> um, but guys my wife is telling me my dinner is uh on the way yeah. so what I'll are you eating to, um, what are you eating i don't know yet it's all gonna be a surprise it's to me a surprise. Once I get out there Oh, yeah. we so.
0: will not keep you are from you dinner. are you
2: vegan i i am yes. so yeah. it is a, it
1: is a vegan uh dinner it is all right is. i would like to know what that is at some point
2: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll let you know i'll fill you in um right on man yeah i'm bill. trying to trying to detect it be a smell but i i can't i can't get it right.
1: <laughs> well bill thanks so much for coming on man and uh is there anything you want to plug before we go
2: uh, i mean if you're listening to this and you don't follow the hard times then like fix that you know like yeah you fucking asshole just go follow it that's yeah all you're it. fucking up. uh yeah uh but that's it uh you know maybe keep an eye out for the upcoming podcast that i will eventually release with tony hawk and then hopefully other subsequent skateboarders from the tony hawk video games where we'll talk about the video game how it catapulted normal ass skateboarders into the world of celebrity and uh you know the various other things that came along with being in one of the most popular video games of all time
1: that's fantastic man that's the hard
0: times tony hawk pro skater podcast with bill conway
1: Right. down Which the I, road down the road i would love to do an update with you if you if you are down i'm always down i'm always down awesome man thank
0: you very much sir it's a hard right. rock thank life you guys.
1: enjoy your dinner thank you. it's
2: been a lot of fun with talking to both of you and, uh, yeah man and, yeah uh,